Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 31st of January, year of our Lord, 2020. It's 0400 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, a little insomnia. I went on a two-day bender where I actually got 10 hours sleep a night. And I knew I was going to crash. So I went to bed at 9 last night, woke up at 3 a.m. Oh, it was 3.15. And I'm down here in the bunker, got the heater kicking on to warm it up because it's a little chilly. And we're going to do a two-part podcast today. First one's going to be March for Life in our news and social media nuggets. And the second one will be impeachment and politics because it's so much stuff. So many sound bites. And that first sound bite was actually a time lapse. 2020 March for Life was longer than last year's 58-second March for Life where they said 100 to 200,000 people. It was nationwide. The president came, but our media completely ignored it. And that's why I do the podcast. Once again, those have been with the show over the last, what, four years that I've been doing this. I've evolved from pro-choice to pro-life because I dug into statistics and read stuff. And wow, once you start getting into the numbers, it's pretty disgusting what Planned Parenthood does and what the left calls... Um, woman's right to choose. And with the Northam, with live birth abortion, which our media said was a lie, again, even though anybody with two ears heard the man say, well, we'll, you know, we'll let it sit there for a while and decide what's best. Which pretty much is saying, well, the mother doesn't want it. It's her choice. And we went through the whole flow of that codifies Roe. That's what CNN said. That's what Roe said. Because when Roe was determined, nobody on the Supreme Court in the United States of America was advocating for live birth abortion. But that's how fucking extreme the left has gone on this. Because they believe, just like the right on guns, that if we give anything, well, we'll lose our rights. When, as we'll find, majority of Americans want restrictions on abortion. Majority of Americans are for what used to be the abortion stance, which was legal, safe, 
and infrequent. But every time we've read one of those shout my abortions, what we find is these people have uh, like punch cards. It's like a coffee shop. See how many times they can get an abortion because they're irresponsible and won't use birth control. And the worst part about it is you and I are paying for it, whether they want to admit it or not. Emergency contraception, which is the morning after pill, which is chemical abortions, isn't walled off by the Hyde Amendment, my friends, because there was no chemical abortions. That amendment just blocks mechanical abortions from federal funding. But as we've said numerous times on the podcast... If I hand you $10,000 to help your business, and you can only use that $10,000 on fuel, that leaves $10,000 for other things. And that's what we've done. Remember, the last report, $600 million goes to an organization which is more known for abortion than for anything else. Abortion. So that's why we cover it, because the majority of Americans are actually these people, not what you see on your TV. And I'm going to play a very long soundbite, about next 15 minutes, you're not going to hear me, because we're going to play the Why We March, which, once again, that would be on your TV for Planned Parenthood. You know, you get that infomercial with the media for Women's March. And then Michael Knowles has an excellent soundbite from it. And then we'll go into some articles. Enjoy. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Long Island, Baltimore, Sterling, Virginia, South Bend, Indiana, Tallahassee, from Atlanta, Georgia, Thomas More College from Northern Kentucky. Awesome. And why'd you come down to the march today? Well, when I was conceived, my dad wanted my mom to get an abortion, and she stood up against it and said no, so that's why I'm here. I mean, just hearing her story and everything, like imagining my life without her would be, I don't know, unthinkable, but... And just defending defenseless is just something that's very important to me. Life starts from the very beginning, from conception. And if you can't defend life at its earliest state, at its most precious state, defenseless state, then you can't defend life at all. You're not um, supporting life at all. There are all these women who believe that abortion is their only choice when there are so many other options that could help prevent that loss of life. When I was 18 years old, I was in high school, and... Um, I was pregnant three months, and I, did, I wasn't going to have the baby, and my mom wanted to support me, so she went with me to the to the abortion clinic on Roosevelt in Queens, and um, I was waiting there, and while I was waiting there, I saw the women there with their robes, their pink robes, and um, it was they were very sad, so at, at that time, I just got depressed in the moment, and I just started thinking, and I guess I started praying, asking for signs, and in my mind, it just came to me, um, I think it was God, you know? It was like, go look at your sonogram. And when I saw the picture, it was a picture of a baby at three months. And she had legs, she had a big head <laughs> and the arms. 
And um, the, in an instant, I asked the lady, I said, did you know that it was a baby? I, at first, I was like, it's a baby, you know, and because um, many people told me that it was a glob of tissue. And I was already three months, and, and I was only 18, and it's not fair, you know. But here's my daughter. She's 10, and God's been with me. I have her in Immaculate Conception School. And uh, when she was three, I met Christ, and that's when God revealed to me that he had saved my, ch- my child through the, through the um, intercession of Blessed Mother Mary through the prayers of people and the pro-life movement. Part of it really comes down to uh, being Catholic and, and Christian, and that's that, you know, you know, the very, you know, the very start of the Gospels deals with the Annunciation, or if it's John's chapter, it's the Word Made Flesh, chapter 1, and really it all comes down to life. If you don't have life, you have nothing else. We just really believe that um, Jesus calls us to have a generation of life where we respect life in all its forms from um, natural birth to natural death. Fantastic. And is there anything you guys do at home to promote the pro-life movement? Yes, we actually just started a pro-life club. Um, so we've done, you know, various work with charities. and We started. We had a baby shower for an expecting student, and she's due this semester. She's actually due next month. One of the main things that we love to get involved in is uh, spearheaded by the Sisters of Life, a prayer vigil outside Planned Parenthood in, uh, in New York City. Well, we have a group called Keep Infants with Down Syndrome, or KIDS. We meet every year at National Right to Life office before um, coming to the march. We do that to support the unborn babies with Down Syndrome in the, you know, in the womb. And, you know, as you know, there's a high abortion rate of them. So it's very important for us to, you know, kind of just raise that awareness and, and support them. We think everybody deserves life, and we think it's a great cause. Because I think we can really make a change in our generation. Just the march itself is like the American pilgrimage. It's about the beauty and the goodness of human life, about the lives of everyone around, the lives of everyone in the world, my life, your life, your life. After I went on the march, I realized that you really do so much good. Even if nobody notices it, being in prayer with everyone else, being in communion, and really standing up, you do more good than you can ever imagine. And you just have to be there to experience it. We're here at the 47th annual March for Life. There are tens and tens of thousands of people here, but the crowds are overwhelmingly young. And they're young because a quarter of their generation has been killed through abortion. They call themselves the pro-life generation. We're going to hear their stories. My grandma also had an abortion. It was for my on my mom, but it didn't work. So, like, my mom was born, I was born. If the abortion would have worked, then I wouldn't be here and I couldn't fight for the unborn, too. Indianapolis is very far away, so you must care a lot about this cause. Oh, really? Yeah. We really do. Uh, I am here to support the Be a Voice for the Voiceless and to uh, speak for the unborn. On the uh, mainstream media, they always tell us that the only people who are pro-life are angry old men. You do not look like angry old men. Was there some personal uh, aspect that that made you pro-life? With my uh, grandma, my grandma had an abortion, and uh, she kind of like carried it throughout like life, and she just really struggled with it. And like just seeing that really like kind of brought me to like the more pro-life side, and kind of like with her talking to me about that, and my mom talking to me about that, and really just helped me to come to that conclusion. I grew up a foster child. And um, I see many people who 
use um, people's bad experiences in foster care as uh, a supportive reason for why abortion should be legalized and even promote abortion for those reasons. Because my mother chose life, um, I'm able to be used as a vessel to help other people in this world. My best friend is actually adopted, and I can't imagine growing up really without her. And she has been trying to figure out who her birth parents are, but we're very thankful that they were able to give her up for adoption so that I had the blessing of having her in my life. And you don't think that the suffering that you had to endure it was just not worth it at all and be better if you never even had a life? No, um... I'm, I'm thankful for the life that I have and, uh, you know, if just having that chance means so much to me and it, today's a great day for me to remember that. And you're out here marching and uh, sending a message to the people who say that people like you shouldn't even be around. No, I actually think that's a very ignorant argument, whether they mean to be offensive or not, to say it's, it's probably better that you are dead than uh, you have a hard life. Um, that's, that's not even their decision to to be made and it's just a very ignorant argument my younger sister has down syndrome so i think from a very young age i've just recognized that all life has value and i really need to support that cause in iceland last year they announced with glee that they had eradicated down syndrome but actually what happened is they just decided to kill everyone with down syndrome through abortion that that makes the issue ring home for you oh absolutely it's hard to watch I don't think as humans we can judge um, what life has more value than another. What do you say to people who say that it would be better for those who have Down syndrome to be killed? I just ask them to, you know, look at my sister's life and to look at other people with Down syndrome, their lives, and how much joy they have in themselves and how much joy they bring to people around them. In my freshman year of high school, I became friends with a young woman who had a very, very personal experience with abortion because... Um, her mother was encouraged to abort her. Her mother found out that she was pregnant with her after she'd been in a car accident and she'd been rushed to the hospital. She'd been treated for her injuries and the doctors, the hospital who was treating her, urged her to have an abortion. They said, based on the treatment you've received, it's very likely that your baby will die or be deformed or, or injured in some way. Um, and they required her mother to sign paperwork explicitly stating that she'd been encouraged, that she'd rejected having an abortion. So these doctors were encouraging your friend's mother to kill your friend in the womb? Absolutely, yes. If the doctors in the abortion industry had had their way, your friend would not be alive today? Absolutely. If the pro-abortion movement had its way, you wouldn't have your eldest brother? Yeah, he grew up, he, we adopted him when he was eight, and he had a, he came from a really bad situation, like his mom was on drugs, and he was, you know, he never met his dad, and my family, we like, you know, saved him, and now he's a sergeant in the army, and he has a two-year-old daughter. The rally has ended here at the March for Life, and the march has begun of tens and tens of thousands of people who are giving a voice to the voiceless. And the mainstream media are going to try to deny a voice to the people giving a voice to the voiceless. But luckily, we've been able to hear their stories. I'm Michael Knowles with The Daily Wire. Now, we can march. Allie Beth Stuckey, March for Life shows pro-life causes strong.
Abortion is child murder, not health care. The thousands of people in the latest estimate I could get yesterday was 100,000 people who gathered Washington Friday for the 46th March for Life proved that enthusiasm for pro-life causes is as strong as it's ever been. Marchers were an historic company, much of the chagrin of the leftist media. Trump was the first president in history to attend the event. In a rally speech, he expressed the purpose of March. We are here to defend every child, born and unborn, to fulfill God's given potential. The core pro-life cause really is as simple as that, preserving the life of children from Perception onward. There is no moral or logical reason for a baby to be killed. The pro-choice left understands this, which is why they shroud their arguments in euphemisms like reproductive health and body autonomy, and often unscientifically refer to unborn babies as clumps of cells. But no amount of political correctness can mask the reality that abortion brutality takes the life of a defenseless child. November 1st, I served as Republican sole witness in the House Oversight Committee, hearing a state abortion legislation. While the Democrats' goal was to demonstrate how restrictions on abortion access are dangerous for women, mine was to remind them of how dangerous abortion is for the baby. While the Democratic members and witness performed mental and rhetorical gymnastics to justify their pro-choice stance, I and the Republicans on the committee laid out a clear case for immorality of abortion. It kills. Nevertheless, pro-choice Democrats have doubled down on the defense of abortion. On the day of the March for Life, Elizabeth Warren tweeted, Abortion rights are human rights. Abortion rights are economic rights. We will never stop fighting to defend these rights. Isn't it interesting how they talk about the economics of that and the rest of the time they tell you to shut your fucking dirty mouth about economics as they push for the Green New Deal? Kind of funny. Sanders tweeted, abortion is health care. Statements like these are beyond hypocrisy. They're Orwellian. Only in the post-truth society can child murder be considered a human right or health care. That's why the job of pro-life advocates must continually be to speak factually and clearly on what abortion procedure is and why the dehumanization of the most vulnerable is harmful both individually and societal. All we have to do is tell the truth. It's a simple yet monumental task. The M. FL is unlike so many protests and marches these days. One defined by love and selflessness. No one is marching for their own self-interest. No marchers at risk of being aborted. They march for those who can't march for themselves. They speak for those that have no voice. They empower the powerless and defend the fenceless. They give their time, energy, and money for those who will never pay them back, all because life matters. I was unable to attend the march this year, though I was booked to speak at a life youth rally on Thursday. I instead stayed home to care for my baby who come down with a stomach bug and fever. I wanted to honor my commitment to the March for Life, but I knew my commitment as a mom is my top priority. Fighting for babies can mean activism, marching and testifying in Congress. It also means loving the baby you have in your arms. Becoming a mom last year made abortion issue tangible for me. We saw our kicking, punching, perfectly performed perfectly formed 11-week baby on the ultrasound, all the pro-life arguments I knew and believed became more than just a talking point. They became experiences. I realized more than ever that these unborn children at the center of our impassioned debates are people we're talking about. They're not political pawns. They're not clump of cells. They're human beings. And for the simple reason, they deserve, at the very least, a right to live. This is why we fight so hard. This is why we work tirelessly to offer resources to pregnant women in crisis. This is why we do everything we can create a culture of life in which babies are viewed as blessings, not burdens. This is why we care. This is why we speak. This is why we march. As you heard, it wasn't by choice that you heard a young girl in that why we march. 
And when you see the pictures, and if you look at the video of the rally that the media, as you'll see, just totally did not play. They ignored it worse than they've ever ignored it, because it's election year. It's youth. But rooters and our media, this is what we got. Anti-abortion rally, Trump assails Democrat, draws a pause. That's how they covered it. They were very angry that he came. Real clear politics. Uh, well, they did have something good in here. Uh, past presidents who opposed abortions, including Reagan and Bush, steered clear personally attending the march to avoid being too closely associated with demonstrations eager to outlaw the procedure. They sent remarks for others to deliver from the White House, but never appeared at the march. The president's remarks were followed by a march of Constitution Avenue. This year's rally saw stepped-up security due to the president's presence. Large crowd began gathering at Secret Service checkpoint in the mall at 14th Street. There are several streets in downtown D.C. closed for the rest. Most closures last until 3 p.m. You can find out more from the WTOP page. The march marks the 47th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion nationwide. That's the first time I've seen a print. You could find out about it here. U- USA Today, March for Life, anti-abortion demonstrators attend annual rally. Trump speaks, he's a piece of shit. 14 fucking photographs. That's all they did for their fucking online print. 14 photographs. Anti-abortion demonstrators was on every photograph. Real Clear Politics actually put up Trump's speech that we'll play in a second. NPR. President Trump is set to speak to thousands of anti-abortion rights activists. Kate Smith, today President Trump will be attending March for Life, the biggest anti-abortion rights event in the U.S. It's not pro-life, it's anti-abortion. He'll be for, become the first sitting president to ever attend the event. And this is what CBS put with this tweet, but we'll see what they actually aired in a second. In Washington, at least 100,000 people are expected to attend the 47th annual March for Life, the country's biggest and most important anti-abortion rights rally of the year. But one attendee in particular could put this year's event in the history books. President Donald Trump announced on Wednesday evening that he plans to speak at the March for Life. Now, he will be the first sitting U.S. president to attend the marquee anti-abortion rights event ever. CBS News reporter Kate Smith is joining me now from Davos, Switzerland, uh, where the president's attended the World Economic Forum a little earlier this week. So, Kate, what makes President Trump's appearance at this year's March for Life so notable? Good morning, Anne-Marie. What makes his presence here so notable is that it's a tremendous departure of how presidents have typically handled this event, even conservative presidents. So, Prior to this administration, you saw presidents, you know, voice their support for the event, even maybe phone into it, but they've never physically attended. However, the Trump administration has taken a different approach. In 2017, Vice President Mike Pence became the highest ranking official to ever attend the event. He's been going every year since. And last year, you saw President Trump actually attend the event via video stream. But today's physical appearance at the event is truly historic and, you know, a huge win for anti-abortion rights activists. So what's been the response to the president attending on uh, both sides of the abortion rights debate? Well, I spoke to the CEO of the March for Life yesterday, and they are just tremendously overjoyed that he's going to be here. This is a gigantic win for them. It's hard to overstate how much, you know, 
how much it vouches for what they're doing to have the sitting president of the United States come to their biggest event. But of course, on the other side, you're seeing a lot of dismay. I also spoke to Planned Parenthood about how they feel about the President Trump being here. And they say that it really solidifies the idea that they believe that he is tremendously anti-abortion rights and really wants to shut down abortion care in the United States. Paul Bedard, pro-lifers at March for Life. Real Donald Trump has delivered. The Trump has pursued policies we've dreamt of. Mar- Marjorie B. President Trump has delivered. And they have a thing of all the things he's pushed for, which is more than most presidents. Arnett's, which is ABC, CBS, and NBC. This is a major event. It's the 46th. 28 seconds. That's it. 28 seconds. Net snub March for Life again, even after a historic Trump visit. Editors note, in addition to the 15 seconds on Friday broadcast networks newscasts, CBS this morning, Saturday, dedicated 13 seconds to the March for Life. Therefore, that brings the March for Life total 28 seconds, leaving NBC as a lone network to completely ignore it. Here was CBS this morning, coast, co-host, Michelle Miller. While the impeachment trial was playing on Capitol Hill, Trump was on the National Mall Friday, addressed the March for Life, the annual anti-abortion rally held on the anniversary of the landmark Roe v. Wade decision. The big three networks gave just 15 seconds Friday, the largest pro-life annual march in the nation's capital this year. While it's not out of the ordinary for the media to ignore this mammoth event that flies in the face of a liberal narrative on abortion, it's notable that they would hold a near blackout of then, even with the president in attendance. The first time ever. Friday morning, ABC, NBC, and CBS all completely ignored the march, despite Trump announcing on Twitter the day before that he would attend. Fluff and filler stories filled the morning broadcast. Instead, the networks were more concerned about sexism at the Grammys that they were about to cover, the pro-life movement. In the evening newcast, ABC was the only network to even mention the march in 15-second brief, where they dismissively called it anti-abortion rights rally. NBC and CBS reported nothing. If that was bad enough, some networks went out of their way despite those Believe the sanctity of human life with pro-abortion pieces. Instead of reporting the march, CBS brought on CEO of Planned Parenthood, Alexis McGill-Johnson. CBS News reporter Kate Smith spoke with Alexis McGill-Johnson, Planned Parenthood's acting president, during an exclusive interview in Davos, Switzerland, at the World Economic Forum. What is the status of abortion and reproductive health in the United States today? Here we are talking about the fourth industrial revolution, and yet we are still talking about the impact of um, all of these uh, onerous restrictions and bans on access to safe and legal abortion in the states. We also know that that you know almost eight out of ten Americans support Roe as the law of the land, and there's no state in the United States where the um, where access to Roe people feel as though it should be overturned. Even though Americans do support Roe v. Wade, many of them support many of the restrictions that could make Roe v. Wade effectively useless. I mean, how do you combat that? How do you look at that? We're already living in a world where there are abortion deserts, where it is difficult to access. Um, When you layer on this case, which, if it doesn't overturn Roe, will have the impact of effectively gutting Roe, the um, the work that we have to do is to really kind of push back to our states and engage, you know, if Roe's overturned, that means it, it goes back to the states, and we need to make sure that state by state we are fighting for access um, in every state legislature. And I think that's the long game. Last year, we saw an unprecedented number of abortion bans and restrictions. This year, you say we're going to see more of the same. Does it ever feel like Planned Parenthood is losing this battle? 
this is about Planned Parenthood. This is about the millions of people that we serve. And when you actually look at the, the state of support for Roe, the 77% of Americans who actually believe that Roe should be the law of the land, you know, you have to wonder why it's not translating. To me, the case is that, you know, there's a vocal minority who control the levers of power. And our work is to really um, shift those levers of power in 2020 to ensure that the will of the people actually remains the, the law of the land. It's almost astounding that that's what they did, but it doesn't surprise me. NBC Today show also hosted a warm interview with SNL star Andy Bryant about the second seat of Hulu Shrill, which featured glorified abortion. CBS Evening News took a different approach with a sympathy piece for a woman who lost a court battle to own her own frozen embryos after divorcing her husband, but still no re- report on the march. Even worse, the network bizarrely used footage of Trump on the March for Life rally stage as tease for the impeachment bombshell, while not even mentioning the march. ABC's World News Tonight deserves some credit for just mentioning the march in 52nd Brief, but anchor David Murr didn't even tease the story at any point during the broadcast, so if you blinked, you would have missed it. Of course, even Murr's mentions sound like a hit piece on Trump for attending. President taking stage an anti-abortion rights rally. His administration threatened to withhold federal funds from California for requiring private insurers to cover abortion. California's governors dismissed the threat. The network has a bad reputation for ignoring the march while hyping liberal protests. He's pushing for that because they make it a requirement under health care, which is bullshit because it's not health care. A C-section or a DNC is already part of health care to save a mother, not an abortion because I just don't feel like it. So here is the bullshit that the Nets played, and then you'll hear the president's speech. President Trump becoming the first sitting president to attend the March for Life in Washington, D.C., the president taking the stage at the anti-abortion rights rally, his administration today threatening to withhold federal funds from California for requiring private insurers to cover abortions, California's governor dismissing the threat. Well, thank you very much, and thank you, Jeannie. It is my profound honor to be the first president in history to attend the March for Life. We're here for a very simple reason, to defend the right of every child, born and unborn, to fulfill their God-given potential. For 47 years, Americans of all backgrounds have traveled from across the country to stand for life. And today, as President of the United States, I am truly proud to stand with you. I want to welcome tens of thousands. This is a tremendous turnout. Tens of thousands of high school and college students who took long bus rides to be here in our nation's capital. And to make you feel even better, there are tens of thousands of people outside that we passed on the way in. If anybody would like to give up their spot, we could work that out. You have a tremendous group of people outside, thousands and thousands wanting to get in. This is some great success. Young people are the heart of the March for Life. 
And it's your generation that is making America the pro-family, pro-life nation. The life movement is led by strong women, amazing faith leaders, and brave students who carry on the legacy of pioneers before us who fought to raise the conscience of our nation and uphold the rights of our citizens. You embrace mothers with care and compassion. You are powered by prayer and motivated by pure, unselfish love. You're grateful, and we are so grateful, these are incredible people, to be joined by Secretary Alex Azar and Kellyanne Conway. Thank you. And thanks also to Senators Mike Lee and James Lankford, who are here. James, Mike. Thank you, fellas. And Representatives Steve Scalise, Chris Smith, Ralph Abraham, Warren Davidson, Bob Latta, John Joyce, Lloyd Smucker, Brian Fitzpatrick, and Brad Winstrup. Thank you all. And I have to say, and I look at it, and I see it exactly. We have many, many more politicians in the audience, but if you don't mind, I won't introduce them all. All of us here today understand an eternal truth. Every child is a precious and sacred gift from God. Together, we must protect, cherish, and defend the dignity and the sanctity of every human life. When we see the image of a baby in the womb, we glimpse the majesty of God's creation. When we hold a newborn in our arms, we know the endless love that each child brings to a family. When we watch a child grow, we see the splendor that radiates from each human soul. One life changes the world from my family, and I can tell you I send love, and I send great, great love. And from the first day in office, I've taken a historic action to support America's families and to protect the unborn. And during my first week in office, I reinstated and expanded the Mexico City policy, and we issued a landmark pro-life rule to govern the use of Title X taxpayer funding. I notified Congress that I would veto any legislation that weakens pro-life policies or that encourages the destruction of human life. At the United Nations, I made clear that global bureaucrats have no business attacking the sovereignty of nations that protect innocent life. Unborn children have never had a stronger defender in the White House. And as the Bible tells us, each person is wonderfully made. 
We have taken decisive action to protect the religious liberty. So important, religious liberty has been under attack all over the world and, frankly, very strongly attacked in our nation. You see it better than anyone, but we are stopping it. And we're taking care of doctors, nurses, teachers, and groups like the Little Sisters of the Poor. We are preserving faith-based adoption. And to uphold our founding documents, we have confirmed 187 federal judges who apply the Constitution as written, including two phenomenal Supreme Court justices, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. We are protecting pro-life students' right to free speech on college campuses. And if universities want federal taxpayer dollars, then they must uphold your First Amendment right to speak your mind. And if they don't, they pay a very big financial penalty, which they will not be willing to pay. Sadly, the far left is actively working to erase our God-given rights, shut down faith-based charities, ban religious believers from the public square, and silence Americans who believe in the sanctity of life. They are coming after me because I am fighting for you, and we are fighting for those who have no voice. And we will win because we know how to win. We all know how to win. We all know how to win. You've been winning for a long time. You've been winning for a long time. Together, we are the voice for the voiceless. When it comes to abortion, Democrats is a, and you know this, you've seen what's happened. Democrats have embraced the most radical and extreme positions taken and seen in this country for years and decades. And you could even say for centuries, nearly every top Democrat in Congress now supports taxpayer-funded abortion all the way up until the moment of birth. Last year, lawmakers in New York cheered with delight upon the passage of legislation that would allow a baby to be ripped from the mother's womb right up until delivery. Then we had the case of the Democrat governor in the state of Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia. And we love the Commonwealth of Virginia, but what is going on in Virginia? What is going on? The governor stated that he would execute a baby after birth. You remember that. Senate Democrats even blocked legislation that would give medical care to babies who survive attempted abortions. And that's why I've called on Congress, two of our great senators here, so many of our congressmen here, and called upon them to defend the dignity of life and to pass legislation prohibiting late-term abortion of children who can feel pain in their mother's womb.
This year, the March for Life is celebrating the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which forever enshrined women's rights to vote in the United States and given by the United States Constitution. Such a big event. Today, millions of extraordinary women across America are using the power of their votes to fight for the right and all of their rights, as given in the Declaration of Independence, it's the right to life. To all the women here today, your devotion and your leadership uplifts our entire nation, and we thank you for that. The tens of thousands of Americans gathered today not only stand for life, it's really here that they stand for it so proudly together. And I want to thank everybody for that. You stand for life each and every day. You provide housing, education, jobs, and medical care to the women that you serve. You find loving families for children in need of a forever home. You host baby showers for expecting moms. You make — you just make it your life's mission to help spread God's grace. And to all of the moms here today, we celebrate you, and we declare that mothers are heroes. That's Your strength, devotion, and drive is what powers our nation. And because of you, our country has been blessed with amazing souls who have changed the course of human history. We cannot know what our citizens, yet unborn, will achieve. The dreams they will imagine, the masterpieces they will create, the discoveries they will make. But we know this. Every life brings love into this world. Every child brings joy to a family. Every person is worth protecting. And above all, we know that every human soul is divine and every human life, born and unborn, is made in the holy image of Almighty God. Together, we will defend this truth all across our magnificent land. We will set free the dreams of our people. And with determined hope, we look forward to all of the blessings that will come from the beauty, talent, purpose, nobility, and grace of every American child. I want to thank you. This is a very special moment. It's so great to represent you. I love you all. And And I say with true passion, thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you all. Thank you. Because he referenced Northam, the media went after it. Mediate uh, is just one I picked. Trump tells dangerous lie that Governor Northam would execute a baby at birth to massive D.C. crowd. Logan Hall and a bunch of other people together. The infant would be delivered. The infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be resuscitated. That was what the mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physician and the mother. That was repeated by everybody. What the fuck does that mean? 
Mark Noller that was there. Every person, the born and unborn, the poor and the downcast, the disabled, the infirm, the elderly, has inherent value. Although each journey is different, no life is without worth or inconsequential. The right of all people must be defended. President again counters Roe v. Wade anniversary with proclamation designating January 22nd as National Sanctity of Human Life Day. He spotlights his administration's effort to dispel the concept of abortion as fundamental human right. Simultaneously, because MSNBC and CNN ignored it completely, <clears throat> article is CNN, MSDNC apparently don't want anyone to know there's a March for Life. Fox News and Fox Business broadcasting Trump's remarks from March from Life. CNN and MSNBC are not. They aired an Adam Schiff presser. People asked, how strange Brian Seltzer and Oliver Dossie suddenly aren't tweeting about what Fox is talking about today. Then late at night, a two-minute and one-second President Trump address coverage on CNN about making history, but then just basically dogged him for getting away from the impeachment. Though it wasn't really coverage. Simultaneously, CNN and everybody else were covering things like this. Ten towns in Texas have voted to declare themselves sanctuary cities for the unborn, with most adopting or adopting ordinance to claim an outlaw abortion within city limits. I'm going to read some of the replies, because just hilarious. Ask conservatives how they feel about homeless families, how they feel about kids being locked up in cages, or better yet, how they feel about families not having access to health care. Guarantee you'll hear crickets, because it's not about protecting life, it's about control. That was one reply. Do these towns offer free education health care for the kids they might force people to have? And are these towns pro-life when the kid is born, or are they going to let it grow up in poverty or get beat up? Gosh, I bet they all volunteer to be child care providers, foster parents, and food providers, too, and free birth control. Well, I hope the sanctuary cities will also support them once they're born. Oh, wait a minute. They would take actual care. Never mind. And yet they will all vote against taking away health care, school lunches, affordable education, affordable housing, food stamps. Self-focused religious passion drives most of them. Not actual concerns or genuine thoughts given to the situation of a woman who has to make a choice between having a child or an abortion. And a bunch of them about breaking the law. But they do it for sanctuary cities for kids. That's that's okay. That That's okey fucking dokey. You can do sanctuary cities for what we want, but not for what you want. Okay. Well, while our media was censoring... So was Twitter. Twitter censors Team Trump pro-life video with content warning. See how they do it? They play this all the time. And Twitter's leadership offended by babies and young families. Twitter warned, warning used to keep viewers from unknowingly seeing inappropriate videos was censorously applied to Trump campaign pro-life promo. With Trump's speech today, became the first sitting president, blah, 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 blah. And he had a pro-life campaign video appeared to have given an erroneous label restriction by Twitter. In the video, Trump espoused his commitment to pro-life cause. Under my administration, we will always defend the very right and the Declaration of Independence that is the right to life. Twitter reportedly labeled the video with sensitive content warning, suggesting it maybe contain offensive or potentially graphic imagery, despite the fact that it merely showed conventionally conventional imagery of babies, political candidates, and marchers. 
Twitter's sensitive media policy stated the following: You can include viol- you can't include violent, hateful, or adult content within the area that are highly visible on Twitter, including in live video profile or header images. If you share this content with tweets, you need to mark your account as sensitive. Doing so places images and videos behind an inter sensual or warning message that needs to be acknowledged before your media can be viewed using these features means that people who don't want to see sensitive media can avoid it or make an informed decision before they choose to view it the trump campaign responded by posting the video again and tweeted this is a video twitter's trying to censor it it it'd be a shame if we kept retweeting it stop the bias why we march donald trump jr chimed in So it appears that Jack and Twitter seem to think that Trump campaign video with a pro-life message is sensitive material, which was followed by eye-rolling emojis and a hashtag Stop the Bias. Donald Trump Jr.'s tweet included screenshots that showed Team Trump tweets, Team Trump tweets, sorry, labeled with the following warning the tweet may include sensitive content. Another screenshot attached to the same tweet stated, in order to view it, you'll need to change your sensitive media selection. You can find this under the safety section of your privacy and safety account. According to the Free Beacon, a spokesman from Twitter said the video was flagged in error and the setting has since been changed. Bullshit. Wasn't an error. They have some millennial fucktard resistance men are following every one of his tweets. Remember, he was kicked off for no reason because somebody just didn't like him. But there was no Twitter moments. There were hashtags started by people. It did not come up in the trending, which it was because when I went to the next one, trending, it was there. Kelsey Boiler. This past September, my baby girl was born at 31 weeks. 31 weeks. Do the math on that, folks. Here's a picture of us then, and here's a picture of us now. It's hard to believe that at the stage of pregnancy, abortion is still legal in seven states and the District of Columbia. That's why I stand for life. Robbie Starbucks. If Planned Parenthood did to puppies and kittens what they do to human babies, the whole country would have united to shut them down a long time ago. Human baby lives matter less to the Democratic Party than baby animals. Let that sink in. It's true. Lifers are basic human or most basic human right. As a surgeon, I operate on unborn babies at weeks old, despite the fact that so many do not recognize their rights to survive. Today, thousands march for life to remind us that it's our duty to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. If you didn't know, the woman standing behind me on the left at this March for Life speech is Asidia King, Martin Luther King's child niece i'm sorry niece rachel d gucci just about a week ago at the 47th annual march for life i had the opportunity to catch up with just a few of the tens of thousands of people who traveled from around the country to ask them about why they came here's what they had to say and here's a montage of the protest i'm gonna play the protesters on the end because there were pro pro protesters but you're gonna hear some of the march for life And you're going to hear Ben Watson. And I want you to think, what do you hear? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Signal's Facebook Live. We are here on the National Mall at the 47th Annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. It's very historic this year as President Donald Trump was the first president to address the March for Life in person. Follow along. We're talking to some folks on the street about why they're here at the March for Life. So what's your name and where are you from? Um, Kimberly. I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia. My name is Scott. I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm Nayana Thompson. 
And where are you from, Anna? From Philadelphia. Andrew Clark from Royal Virginia. All born from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm Sophie Kirk, and I'm from Mason, Ohio. I'm Hope Smith, and I'm from Michigan. I'm Grace, and I'm from Michigan, too. My name is Ruth. I go to FSU in Tallahassee, Florida, and I'm marching because my sister was pregnant at 16, and she chose life. My sister was born with special needs, and so we're here to support uh, kids like her who aren't given a chance in the womb. Uh, 90% of the kids with what she has die before they even make it out of the womb, so we're here to support them. Every human being deserves to live as soon as they begin to exist, and uh, to cut that short, short of natural death, seems to me to be a grave injustice. I can't rest knowing that there's not something being done about humans being killed every day. I'm here today because life matters and I believe that everyone deserves um, a chance and that God has created each and every one of us in his image. I feel like you shouldn't kill any type of babies, no matter what the reason is. Sarah led my March for Life trips back when I was in high school to D.C. and I'm so happy and honored I get to talk to you for a few minutes. So Sarah, tell us where you're from. Ohio. And why are you here at the March for Life? Because someone needs to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and everyone should be speaking up. What would you want to tell friends back home who might not see the life issue the way you do and are still confused and trying to figure it out for themselves? Um, I'd say be open-minded because um, God, you have been loved, you have been given a chance to live and so I think it's an awesome opportunity for you to be able to give someone else that opportunity. Life is worth living and unfortunately so many people don't know that it's causing just so much depression and sadness, especially in our generation, all of our generations, the young people. I think that there are so many groups that aren't reached because they see it as just a church activity rather than a human activity. We have essentially a much bigger microphone than they do today and so they're going to hear our message. One of the biggest things my family does is we support um, families that have children with special needs so that's going to the hospitals um, and helping them as they bring their kids into the world and giving advice and connecting them with good doctors. Free life is valuable and God gives us life and we don't know why but we still should choose it and because he loves us. <laughs> We care about the baby, we care about the mom, we care about the dad, we care about the family. The family is the foundation of society and we can love them all. There is no pick one or the other. It is definitely choose life for all. I'm grateful for my life and I'm sure you are as well. Thank you mom for saying yes to life. With life is sacred. Right? There's like about eight different tribes. There's about 200 of us here, okay. and we're all marching for life with everybody else. history natives have tried to survive and they've had to work together as a community and take care of each other and so the thought of abortion was unheard of like why would you kill someone in your own family that's kind of how it was looked at i talked to my grandma about it and that's exactly what she said she was like why would you kill someone in your own family we're all going to help you take care of the baby so yeah it's just unheard of it's, un it's not even it's not even an option absolutely yeah. thank you for coming thank yeah. you guys thank you 
look me in the eye? Can you look me in the eye and tell me that I shouldn't exist? That I should be dead? That I deserve to die that day. Can you look me in the eye and tell me that my very survival was a mistake? A terrible toll on society? Can you look me in the eye and tell me that in my most vulnerable state, I was nothing more than a parasite? A collection of body parts? Subhuman? Worthless? I survived multiple abortion attempts. DNC abortion. An instrument abortion. DNC abortion. 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 A vacuum aspiration. Abortion. An induced abortion. Saline infusion abortion that was meant to poison and scald me to death. I am the face of choice. I am that choice. These are actual human beings who survived abortion procedures when they were still in their mother's wombs. These are the eyes, voices, and faces of choice. Choice is not merely a word. Choice is a person. Learn their stories. So for me, it's, it's not necessarily about being a football player or anything right. like that. It's about being an American and somebody that cares about justice, whether that's the vulnerable that are in the womb, whether right. that's vulnerable that are walking up and down our streets. I'm Benjamin Watson, uh, father, <laughs> husband, all those good things, and just here to support life. And we have a film coming out, Divided Hearts of America, so we're here to talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, we're so excited about this film. Can you tell us a little more about it? Basically, uh, you know, I think that the whole abortion issue, obviously, is, is, is an important one, but I think in the last year or so, with so many different laws coming out, some liberals, some conservatives, uh, this has been a heightening awareness. And the film is kind of about my journey, figuring out the truth about these laws, but also just about abortion in general. Who does it hurt? How do we support women and men that are going through this? For me, it's, it's not necessarily about being a, a football player or anything like that. It's about being an American, somebody that cares about justice, whether that's the vulnerable that are in the womb, whether that's vulnerable that are walking up and down our streets that are living in poverty, whether that's people that are involved in sex trafficking, whatever it may be, to me, this is a justice issue. Well, you're a father of seven, right? Yes. What does it mean to you to cut in the market for life as a father of seven? Oh, uh, well, um, one day I hope my kids will be able to go. Uh, my oldest two are, are 10 and, and 9, so they're right on the verge of being able to come, but it's important for them to, to have conditions and, and understand uh, the, the point of standing for all human life, no matter its location, no matter its ethnicity, no matter its economic standing. You know, the theme of this year's March for Life is life to power is pro-life, is pro-women. Do you think that being pro-life powers women? Of course. Of course I do. Um, I think there's a, a misconception that... Um, you know, the pro-life movement, people that will call themselves pro-lifers, uh, only care about babies, don't care about women. But we have to care about women. We have to care about the women who are carrying these children. We as men 
have to stand beside the women that we impregnate. That's a that's a message that a lot of people don't want to talk about. But if men would stand up and care for women the way we were designed to, a lot of these things wouldn't be happening. And so we can care for children, we can care for women, we need to care for both. And and being pro-life should be being pro-woman. It shouldn't be an either-or proposition. We should care for women. And the best thing we can do for a woman is care for her body, is care for her food, her child, is her no yelling, no cursing, no signs with vulgar messages. No. Peaceful protesting. But it's just ignored. To the article that was pushed all over the place, and we talked about it briefly, CNN pushed it. Trump administration moves against California on abortion coverage to health plans. The Trump administration warned California on Friday that it must stop requiring health insurance plans in the state to provide abortion coverage or risk losing federal money. Now, this is huge to the left, and they make a big deal out of it. That's a dictatorship. But I want you to think about the bathrooms. That was the same thing the Obama administration. You will have transgender bathrooms or unisex bathrooms, or you're going to lose federal money. During the Obama administration, he used that on a million different causes because that's how politics are played. And the thing that's the best part about it is the media never does what they do. Because if, if a Democrat wins the 2020, they're going to do the same thing. You're not going to get federal funds unless you do this, some liberal cause. And they will say, well, under the Bush or the uh, Trump administration, they did the same thing about abortion. But when a conservative does it, they never link it back to past Democratic same thing. We don't have any intellectual honesty out there because, you know, we're, we're just Democrats. We just forget that there was history prior to whoever the president is. So we're going to go to a music break, and we're going to come back in, and you're going to hear Faces of Abortion. It was a commercial that was not allowed on Fox, but we'll talk about all the gay shit that will be happening during the Super Bowl that Fox had no problem with. Sorry that the cheers are all warm I left them here, I could have sworn These are my salad days Slowly being eaten away Just another play for today Oh, but I'm proud of you But I'm proud of you Nothing left to make me feel small Luck has left me standing so Face. He knew that he was 
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Can you look me in the eye? Can you look me in the eye and tell me that I shouldn't exist? That I should be dead? That I deserve to die that day. and tell me that my very survival was a mistake? A terrible toll on society? Can you look me in the eye and tell me that in my most vulnerable state, I was nothing more than a parasite? A collection of body parts? Subhuman? Worthless? In 1952, I survived multiple abortion attempts. DNC abortion. An instrument abortion. DNC abortion. A bush heritage abortion. A vacuum aspiration abortion. An induced abortion. Saline infusion abortion that was meant to poison and scald me to death. I am the face of choice. I am These are actual human beings who survived abortion procedures when they were still in their mother's wombs. These are the eyes, voices, and faces of choice. Choice is not merely a word. Choice is a person. Learn their stories. Faces of choice, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Seems like a, just a normal commercial would be okay, because if you're going to have one, you can have the other, right? Oh, no. Double standards on Tuesday news broke that two former contestants from RuPaul's drag race would appear in Super Bowl commercial this Sunday, marking the first time the drag queens are to be featured in an ad for the big game. The same will apparently not be true for abortion survivors. What are the details? Now the pro-life group Faces of Choice is calling out Fox Sports for refusing to approve an ad 
the group desired to run during the Sears Super Bowl. Life Size New Life Sight News reported Faces of Chose, who ran an ad of the 2020 March for Life featuring the faces and stories of 14 abortion survivors, say they submitted the application to run a 30-second version of the ad in July, but repeatedly stonewalled. We were one of the very first people to submit everything to them. We met every single stipulation that they asked for, and every time we met the line, they moved the line further to request something else. Lyric Gillette, the founder of Faces of Choice, told LifeSite News. Here's a 30-second version. We already fucking played it. Um, from there, she described being given the uh, runaround by Fox Legal Department, which allegedly kept stage- stringing her along before informing her in November that all the slots are full. She asked for application to be authorized in case the slots became available. Of course, she says they failed her grant. LifeSite reported that when Fox announced last week that more slots had become available, she resubmitted, and she yet to hear back. At one point, Fox even requested Gillette give information about everybody who donated to the ad, a request she found untenable, but that she ultimately fulfilled. I think it's very clever what they're doing. If they directly say no, then we could say this is asinine, look at the suit, what's suitable at Fox, but they haven't directly said no. They ignored us, wasted our time, refused to give an answer, and refused to either give us clearance or simply say no. Abortion survivors are being ignored, Gillette added, that abortion survivors have been ignored their whole lives and that they now face faced being ignored again. The main goal is for everyday Americans to actually see choice, to be able to look into the eye. It is ironic and it is incensing to me that these survivors of abortion had their very voices almost stolen from them from the moment of conception and now the media is doing it again. But we can have... All the other stuff we're going to talk about. This is all okay. Here's the Sabra commercial. Ready, Cracker? Chickpeas. I was born ready. I hope this doesn't give me helmet hair. I was playing it in our news social media media nuggets gay shit because there's it's all gay. They they're down with t- protecting that class of people, but pro life, go fuck yourself. Despite Hollywood and Dems' infant side agenda, most Americans want abortion limits. Just in time for March for Life, another celeb-driven pro-abortion PSA has been making the rounds on social media with a message that more Americans than ever are okay with killing babies. Take that, March for Life supporters. However, a new PBS NPR poll shows it's more complicated than that. Social media-focused far-left outlet Now This News put out new pro-choice propaganda on Wednesday, January 22nd, touting, I'm not going to play it, how much support for abortion there is in America. The hook of the video, besides containing a bite-sized counter-narrative to D.C.'s January 24th pro-life event, was the inclusion of progressive celebs like Messing, Bradley Whitford, Bush, Friday Night Lights, Mina Kelly, and Freaks and Geeks star Bussy Phillips to hammer home the message that pro-life cause is more insignificant than ever. The video began with the multiple famous face reciting different lines from the same pro-abortion speech. Deborah Messing started off by condescending Salvo saying, let's talk abortion. Singer Tasha Campbell continued, it's everyone's favorite topic, while Bussy Phillips added to argue about 
How trite. The point became clear when actress Lena Perilla stated, but polls show that Americans actually aren't as divided on the issue as some think. Singer Sophia Bush chimed in, in fact, support for safe and legal abortion is the highest it's been in two decades. Yvette Nicole Brown filled in the stats. 77% of Americans believe Supreme Court should uphold Roe v. Wade. Of course, plenty of plays for reproductive justice followed in order to convey the sense that being unabashedly pro-choice is the obvious option. Tisha Campbell provided the moral mandate for the viewers, claiming good people can have different opinions about what decisions they make with their own bodies. If you say so, the real issue, as Messing and Company put it, was, are you okay with the government making these decisions for you? The issue here is freedom, the reader asserted. Now, given the overwhelming support for reproductive freedom, there's no justification for any group of politicians in any state or trying to diminish the freedom of literally half the people in the country. The impression being sold here is that 77% of Americans support the mainstream Dem rhetoric, which these days include procuring abortions at all stages of pregnancy and rejecting most limits. What now this omits is that even though there is a poll that claims 77% of Americans want Roe v. Wade, according to NPR, most Americans, including pro-choicers, want much stricter limits on procedure than progressives will ever admit. Maris NBC NPR PBS poll, reported by CBS no less, 65% of Americans are likely to vote for a candidate who believes abortion should be outlawed after the first three months of pregnancy. Second trimester. Tulsi Gabbard and, of course, Donald Trump are the only 2020 candidates that mirror this voting preference. All other Dem candidates want it is a human right. Same poll revealed that 25% said they would be more likely to vote for a candidate who believes abortion should be available at any point during a pregnancy, and 9% said they would back a candidate who thinks the procedure should be allowed only in the first six months of pregnancy. So it seems regarding, regardless of the 77% stat, that a vast majority of Americans, Democrats included, may not be interested in the progressive abortion rhetoric anyway. It's too radical for even the pro-choice voting bloc. Messing and her friends don't have the pro-choice camaraderie they think they may have. And then they go and push it. From teen abortions to feeling very fucking powerful, how TV normalized abortion in 2019. And we've covered most of these, all right? Euphoria. Um... HBO's Euphoria, which has been subject of several articles highlighting sexed-up teens, an abortion episode seen almost natural. Then in the August 4th season finale, and Salt the Earth Behind You, we actually see high school student Cassie have abortion. The Morning Show, Reith Witherspoon, Bradley Jackson admit in the fourth episode, that woman, that, heck, I had an abortion when I was 15. 13 Reasons Why covered it. Attacks on CPC. Uh... Crisis pregnancy centers are a valuable resource enabling women to facing unplanned pregnancies to choose life for their children. Sometimes that means choosing adoption, sometimes parenting. But that was covered on a CW show. Freeform's Bold Type. Sci-Fi's Happy. And Veep, they covered it. Uh, Shrill, of course, we had 80, whatchamacallit, I Feel So Alive. Heartbeat Bills were covered. Law and Order SVU, The Blacklist, uh, New Amsterdam Empire did the repeat offenders on Empire and New Amsterdam. It's all good. Then we have freeform Groish, Gronish, mock pro-lifers push false abortion narrative. Here is the actual dialogue. We're having a house baby. Nomi, we're hugging all. Yay. Yeah, okay, okay. Now, obviously, having a baby in college is like a very complicated situation. 
um, then, you know, I just have to ask the hard questions. Why didn't you uncomplicate the situation? Because you decided to do the brave and moral thing and keep it. I know you come to my side. You're going to love Jesus. Okay, slow up, Ann Coulter. Still pro-choice. Just chose what was right for me. Right. And we fully support you, obviously. You're just choosing to take on a huge responsibility at 20. Last semester, you couldn't even give up your aloe plant alive. And now we're going to need that for all those stretch marks. All right, you guys. Women our age have children all the time, okay? Solange did it. Kylie Jenner did it. And my personal hero, Whoopi Goldboarder. I mean, she did it. Okay, well, do you plan on making it work under this roof? Because we just blew our entire athletic housing stipend on this house, and we're pl- really planning to rock out with our pause baby in the womb. One minute's a complicated situation. Should have been made uncomplicated. The next is baby in the womb. Yeah. Freeform again. Now is not the time to overturn Roe v. Wade on a show. Good trouble. They push it all the time. But I would actually throw out there, I'm not going to read the article, a good decade for pro-life movement. It was a good decade. Because at the end of the day, if you look at that march, and just people like me, What the media has done is what they do on everything. They go so far for one side. It makes people think, okay, what the fuck? And then you research and then you find that, hey, I'm paying for people's morning after pill. Why am I doing that? They don't pay for stuff for me. That was their decision. And oh, by the way, I mean, do we remember this? Uh, do you have any concerns about some of his comments on social issues, on contraception, on women in combat, and whether or not that would hurt his viability in a general election campaign? Would he be the nominee? Well, I'm, I, I get such a chuckle when these things come out. Here we have millions of our fellow Americans unemployed. We have jihadist camps being set up in Central, uh, in uh, Latin America, which uh, Rick has been warning about. And people seem to be so preoccupied with sex. That I think it says something about our culture. We maybe need a massive therapy session so we can concentrate on what the real issues are. This contraceptive thing, my gosh, it's so it's such inexpensive. You know, back in my days, they used bare aspirin for contraceptives. The gals put it between their knees, and it wasn't that costly. Uh, excuse me, I'm just trying to catch my breath from that, Mr. Freeze, frankly. Uh- <laughs> we had a whole election about free birth control, and we gave birth control. So people have seen this of evolution. And more and more people are becoming pro-choice minus, which is what I kind of consider myself. I don't care if you have an abortion. As long as you pay for it, and it's in the first trimester. You got three months to figure out what the fuck you want to do. After three months, that's your baby. Unless it's going to kill you, that's your baby. And don't bring in the race, pit incest, and all that. Fuck you. If you got raped and you want an abortion, you're going to figure that out in three months. You just are. So, it was a good year. Or good ten years. It's it's improving. And the polls are definitely going away from the left. Heavy does a really good job of covering everything. And I, I hate to say that because it's a liberal site, but it does. Some reports say tens of thousands attended, but a journalist on site said cloud, crowd was closer to 100,000. Um... 
Senator James Lanford, and this is their coverage of the march. I'm proud to stand this morning with real Donald Trump as he stands in front of tens of thousands of students as they march for life. Students. Because it's mostly students. News 2 shared Fort Fisher was at the event. He reported that an initial crowd estimate was about 100,000 were there with the march extending for several blocks. In fact, so many were there that the cell signal was too overloaded to stream live, he wrote on Facebook. The biggest March for Life event in 2013 drew an estimated 650,000 people, and it was ignored. The National Park Service no longer provides official crowd estimates. They stopped releasing estimates ever since the dispute about how many attended a million-man march in 95. The Park Service was threatened with lawsuit when they said it was only 400,000 because it was for black people. So you're a piece of fucking shit. Earthcram noted this camera has been offline since June 15, 2018 due to construction at the mining location. Please enjoy a clip from our archives. Here's a crowd photo shared by participant. Lisa, Rock Prisses, 1818, in her 20s. Crowd photo at the March for Life, CNN, we counted 25 people. Trump spoke for about 15 minutes. People were energetic. Katie Yoder, energetic crowd. I mean, these pictures are huge. Jack Probasek was going to play him, but his was going after the black Israelites and stuff. He was being a smartass because that happened at this time. Matthew Miller, look at this crowd. According to the March for Life website, the event is a somber anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Life news, amazing. Thousands and thousands of people are standing against abortion pro-March life and a photo showing the massive crowd today. Tyler O'Neill, the crowd is not only absolutely massive, it's energetic and excited. Personhood Alliance, Attorney General Barr waving to the crowd. Uh, Katie Yoder again, the March for Life right now with the panoramic that was just amazing. Josh Wimgrove, the excerpts don't include any legislative or judicial action he plans to take or hopes happens. Trump has concluded his remarks for March for Life. Apologies for delay. Cell signal very weak. He was met by cheers and chance of four more years. Carolyn Patricic, March for Life has arrived to the Supreme Court and is met by counter-protesters, pro-abortion rights crowd. They were also rallies in other parts of the country, too. Uh, the Notre Dame contingent is gathering, and it was huge also. And here's, I'll play the protesters. Hey, 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 we interrupt that which has been deployed to hurt the church in this season, that which has been deployed to hurt this nation in the name of Jesus. Forgive us for our sins. Come on, I need you guys to pray. We cancel every surprise from the witchcraft in the marine kingdom, any hex, any spell, any witchcraft, any spirit of control, any Jezebel, anything that the enemy desires through, through spells, through witchcraft through any way that is manipulation, demonic manipulation, we curse that. We break it according to the word of God. In the name of Jesus, we come against the marine kingdom. We come against the animal kingdom. Any The woman that rides upon the waters, we break the power. In the name of Jesus, and we declare that any strange winds, any strange winds that have been sent to hurt the church, sent against this nation, sent against our president, sent against myself, sent against others, we break it by the the superior blood of Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus, we arrest every infirmity, affliction, fatigue, weariness, weakness, fear, sickness, any self-righteousness, any self-serving action, God. Let pride fall. Let pride fall. Let pride fall. Let pride fall. In the name of Jesus, we command all satanic pregnancies to miscarry right now. We declare that anything that's been conceived in satanic wombs, that it'll miss carry it will not be able to carry forth any plan of destruction any plan of harm not as many as you'd think <clears throat> the federalist 
Not all pro-lifers are religious. They had this soundbite, which is very interesting. Okay, so I've never heard of secular pro-life. Can you give me a little bit of a rundown? It's exactly what it sounds like. We take a secular approach to the abortion issue. The way we see it, this isn't a theological debate, right? This isn't how many angels can fit on the head of the pin. This is life and death. This is, right. this is a, a human rights abuse of a tremendous magnitude. So we bring together the, the leadership of secular pro-life consists of atheists and agnostics. I'm an atheist myself. Uh, but we bring together people from every background imaginable. You've got your Catholic your Protestants, Jews, Muslims, Mormons, Wiccans, everybody coming together because it, it's, it's been thrown in our face so often. Like, oh, it's just a religious issue. No, abortion is something that should concern every person of conscience. Uh, so that that's what we're all about, and we're so, so pleased to be here at the March for Life. Where are you guys based out of? Everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, so we, we are a volunteer, an all-volunteer organization. We've got uh, wonderful supporters all over the country. I myself am from Florida. We've got some uh, some helpers here from California today, which is fantastic. Uh, and we we have a mostly an online presence. We also do uh, speaking engagements often with student groups uh, because you know, as, as I'm sure you're aware, the millennial generation and younger are way less are, religious. Are, are less religious, right? Yeah. Statistically, less likely to be Christian uh, than generations that came before. Right. Uh, so we're very youth focused, uh, and and as a result of being very youth focused, we have to be very online. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah. Absolutely. But com coming here, uh, you know, once a year and. And getting to see all of these people IRL is is so energizing and and uh, it wouldn't miss it for anything. Awesome. Well, we're happy to, that you took the time to speak with us. Absolutely. Thank you. It's very interesting because I never hit it from a religious ass point. If you go for a religious, you're just going to get a bunch of bullshit shoved back in your face. Because they hate Christians. So I stay out of it. Uh, women speaking out against their own abortion was another thing, I regret my abortion signs. And within it, they had their own, uh, this group of people that are pro-life, video about abortion regret. So can you tell us a little bit why you came to this march? Yes, of course. Um, to support everyone that is pro-life, but also there is a deep wound for men and women who had abortion, and I think... The Silent No More campaign will address that, you know, I mean, that wound gets pushed to the side so often in our society, and I believe it needs to be addressed, because to become a pro-life society, we have to reach the men and women who are deeply wounded, because very often they're pro-choice, because they have to validate the decision they make, so... So, yeah, so just to be here as a voice, like everybody else, right. I also say, I do regret my abortion. My husband was here with me two years ago. Um, we were dating when we had the abortion, and he regrets his lost fatherhood. So I think that is an important subject matter that has to be spoken about, and it isn't often spoken about. And I also think that people that have had abortions shy away from some of this right. because they feel... Um, not attacked. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm at a loss of words. They feel <laughs> like a, to you said to validate earlier. They think that in order to come to terms with that decision, they have to be fully on board with. But I also feel when they see pro-life people that it goes to the heart of them that pro-life people judged. don't like that. Yeah. Being, right. I'm sorry, they're being judged. Yeah. When pro-life, the true pro-life is it's the full circle right. of the healing and supporting women that are pregnant. You know, do you think you've been? Do you think you've been well received by the pro life movement? That was actually my Here? next question. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. I got a hug. I got someone who had had an abortion. This one to talk to me. 
wanted a sign, didn't want this sign because she wasn't quite there yet. But um, yes, I totally... Remember, that's one of the arguments they use on the left about the stigma and how horrible conservatives are for giving stigma to women. They're just making tough choices. Tough choices. Well, I think the 77% states it all. Everybody says, hey, okay, I can't regulate your life. But the problem with the left is they pushed for beyond. And I joke on the show to college, but it'll come. Before I die, you'll hear that. It's your right to thin the herd and protect the planet and the resources and blah, blah, blah. So they've gotten so extreme. And what is so disgusting about this and and the purpose, once again, of the show, media, 28 seconds. 28 seconds for a march that had more people than the women's march which was covered at nauseam. Granted, they didn't lie broadcast it because they didn't want to show the truth that there was nobody there. We can't even get coverage of a large segment of our society. There was a march in Nashville that about 1,000 people were there. It's ignored, and that's why I covered it on my show. So we're going to close with, I think I played the soundbite, but I want to play it again. Woman. It's a great piece. And it covers what most women feel about abortion. About motherhood. It's not what your media tells you. And we'll go straight in to Military Corner. I love being a woman. When I say I love being a woman, I mean I love all of me. I mean, I love all that that means. My mind, my lips, my soul, my hips, my body, my fertility, inner, outer beauty, and all that makes me she. We women are strong, intuitive, compassionate, and valuable. Smart, caring, nurturing, capable, and powerful. We are lawyers, mothers, poets, politicians, and teachers. Doctors, daughters, wives, artists, sisters, we are leaders. Let us always keep in our remembrance the bravery of our founding feminists. They birthed the 19th Amendment. Friends, these were our real-life heroines. Thank Alice Paul, because it was she who fought with Susan B. Anthony. In 1920, they got the vote, but it was just the beginning. They called abortion, and I quote, the ultimate exploitation of women. They not only recognize the rights of our very smallest children, they knew abortion at its core also harms us as women. Now come 2020, the number of killed females unborn has reached 30 million. But it should be no surprise that abortion targets the marginalized, so I'm lucky I survived. Let's go back in time again and find another heroine, Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court case that made abortion legal in all states. Jane Roe was a cover name. Roe's real name was Norma McCorvey. She said she firmly believes the entire abortion industry is based on a lie. She spent the rest of her life trying to undo the law that bears her name. This was Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade, the woman who fought for abortion in the first place. By the time she realized the lie, they'd closed the case. We will never have true equality until we realize that abortion as a solution is the greatest lie. 
When we as women suffer costs like childcare or poverty, it should never even be the slightest thought that we'd terminate a life to solve the problems of society. Instead of hurting mothers most vulnerable, why would we not stand up with them and affirm their right to be assisted with injustice when in a crisis pregnancy? Because the power we have now and the rights that were afforded us are because of great women rising up before us. They took single cries and turned them into a chorus saying, we will not be silenced and you cannot ignore us. Ladies, let's fight like them to be a voice for the voiceless. Operation Abilene was one of the bloodiest battles of the Vietnam War. Everybody down! An entire company nearly wiped out. We are taking fire! Prayed for a miracle. One came. His name is Pitts. Pitts saved lives. We put him up for the Medal of Honor. But he never got the medal. Justice delayed is justice denied. The Medal of Honor is the highest recognition of military valor there is. You'll prepare a full decorations review. Mr. Pitsenbarger, sir. I'm from the Department of Defense. I'm here to learn about your son. If you want the real story, you'll need to talk to the mud soldiers. I've never seen lost men like that. Pitsenbarger comes down that wire and saves men he never even knew. Sounds like a suicide mission. Suicide is hopeless. And Pitsenbarger did lose valor. I kept telling him to get out, but he wouldn't go. He was there to save lives, and that's what he was doing. Why are you here? Because you're here. Ellie shouldn't even have been there. None of us should. What do you say? That's friendly fire. We were fighting our own men. The after-action report is missing. Who even thought up Operation Abilene in the first place? It's not a can of worms you want to open. Why not? Information was removed from the original review. You had no idea where you're starting. I have never seen you back off of anything. Usually we're judged by what we do. But what we don't do is what haunts us. I'm gonna go public with the story. Sounds a little dangerous. But it'll be great television. Getting that medal for pits for the men I lost might be the only decent thing I pull out of that war. Pitsenbarger's father. He's dying. Dying isn't harder than losing a child. Do what you can. Guys like Pitsenbarger do what they do for each other. Life for a life. I need to finish this. Give praise as this young man ensures that the sacrifices of the fallen will never be forgotten. I no longer have my soundbite from um, Military Corner. I had a good one my wife made. Uh, welcome to Few Property, blah, 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 blah. But somehow when I did a cleaning up, I lost it. So no bumper. Army releases ACFT mobile app that calculates scores, personalized workouts. The Army has updated its physical readiness training, or PRT mobile app, for soldiers preparing to take the new Army combat fitness test. I- I'm telling you, people are getting their asses eaten for lunch on this thing, so it must be pretty fucking... Uh, heavy duty. U.S. military reimposes commissary spending limits in South Korea. Now, for those who aren't military, you used to have a ration card. So much alcohol, so much meat, tobacco products, etc., etc. I mean, it was 
the tobacco when I was there wasn't that bad, nor was the alcohol. Um, my second time, I didn't have a ration card. Then they reinstated, then they took it away, and then they brought it back again. The U.S. military has reimposed monthly commissary purchase limits in South Korea less than a month after retiree was banned from the base, banned from bases over black market allegation. The new policy, effective January 23rd, means that commissary shoppers will again be limited to $800 for the main sponsor and $300 for additional family members per month. Anybody who needs to spend more than must request an exception from squadron or battalion commanders. Decision was based on purchasing trends showing that most unauthorized shoppers stayed well below the limits since the purchasing cap was lifted in September. Um, it has been determined that reinstating the cap will have little or no effect to the majority of unauthorized unauthori- individuals. The USFK said the purchase limits are just necessary to deter black marketing and abuse of duty-free privileges and provide Commander with a useful tool to identify potential violators. Um, goes all the way back. Some 28,500 U.S. service members are stationed in North Korea, or South Korea, which remains technically at war with North Korea, and it's... God, that, I remember the ration card. That was a pain in the ass. Improvements coming to Alaska Army Base as troops face morale challenges. Fort Wainwright. Fucking shithole. Oh, my God. I'm not going to read it, but they're going to... Try to fix it up. Air Force moves forward with F-15 EX fighter jet buy. The U.S. Air Force moved forward with plans to purchase a new F-15 Eagle fighter jet, initiating the first fourth-generation fighter program in more than 20 years. And a pre-solicitation notice recently posted at a government acquisition and award website, Beta Sam Gov, the service announced it will sole source two contracts, one for the F-15 EX and the other for the F-110 engines. The Air Force Life Cycle Management Center intended to award a sole source indefinite sorry, delivery indefinite quality quantity contract to Boeing Company for a refresh of the F-15C D fleet and augment the F-15E fleet. One solicitation reads, the Defense Department expects response from Boeing by Jan- uh, February 7th. It's pretty interesting. Of the funds provided in aircraft procurement, Air Force for the remaining six F-15EX aircraft, no more than 64800000 for long lead materials may be obligated until the Secretary of Air Force submits a report. The Air Force expects to keep a well-rounded mix of fourth and fifth generation aircraft through the 2030s, including the F-35, F-16, F-22, A-10s, and F-15 Eagles. Um, Air Force Associate Air Warfare Symposium last year that the service needed to boost its fighter inventory to stop the average age as aircraft inventory from increasing. Services estimate it needs to buy 72 new year aircraft per year to replace the old planes. Pretty interesting if you think about it. Um, I mean, the F-15 is an old, old plane, but still probably whoops ass. First USN MQ-4C arrives in Asia Pacific. The Northrop Grumman MQ-4C Triton drone has started its first deployment, joining the U.S. Navy squadron at Anderson Air Force Base in Guam. A pair of MQ-4Cs reached Guam on 26 January and will operate as part of an early operational capability. Checking on the Pacific. The last full measure was the soundbite you heard coming in is the must-see film. 
On April 11, 1966, three companies of the 1st Infantry Division, known as Mud Soldiers, were pinned down by Viet Cong outside Cam Mai, Vietnam. Pararescue men of the 38th Aerospace Rescue and Recovery Squadron were dispatched to evacuate the wounded. The battle raged as soldiers were taking heavy beating. As if an angel were descending from the heavens, Airman First Class William H. Pitsenberger lowered onto the battlefield to tend to the wounded. When given the opportunity to fly back to the base, he elected to stay and care for the men he didn't even know that remained in harm's way. He did all he could to save his fellow troops before paying the ultimate price. I'm going to go see that movie. That's that's pretty fucking badass. Um, there's so many stories like that. I mean, if Hollywood really gave a fuck like they used to, I mean, you think about World War II, all the movies they made, uh, there's none made anymore. Article from We Are the Mighty. Eight coolest things said in wartime. Number one, Daniel K. and Yo, Democrat. Nobody called off the war. Number two, Arthur Wellingsley, First Duke of Wellington. I have seen their backs before, madam. This incredibly awesome lie wasn't technically made in wartime. It was made by a wartime field marshal. However, by the name of Arthur Wellesley, First Duke of Wellington. Three, Mustafa Femel Aturker. I don't know how to say name. Ataturk. Men, I am not ordering you to attack. I am ordering you to die. Wow. Nathan Bedford, Bedford Forrest. No damn, no damn man kills me and lives to tell about it. Todd Beamer, let's roll. Flight 93. Patton, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no one because I am the most evil man in the valley. <laughs> Genghis Khan, if you had not committed great sins, God would not have sent a punishment like me upon you. And that dude was old school. Eight, Sergeant Major Daly, Daniel Daly. Come on, you sons of bitches. Do you want to live forever? Yeah. Mm. You got the Medal of Honor. And then 21 of the U.S. military's most overused cliches. And for non-military, you're not going to get this. My wife got every one of these fuckers. One, all this in a paycheck, too. Two, if you're on time, you're late. <laughs> you say it all the time. Three, we get more done before 6 a.m. than most people do all day. Four, don't call me sir, I work for a living. I still say that. Five, if it ain't raining, we ain't training. Still say that when I'm fishing. Six, this ain't my first rodeo here, cowboy. I bet Matt remembers me saying that. Seven, best job in the world. Eight, complacency skills. Nine, keep your head on a swivel. Yeah. Ten, got any save rounds or any alibis? And that's from ranges. Eleven, I know this glorious day in the course. Twelve, this is just for your essay. Thirteen, we're putting on another dog and pony show. Fourteen, roger that. <laughs> uh, Sixteen, like a monkey fucking a football. I say that all the time. Seventeen, let's pop smoke. My wife hates that one. Eighteen, let's break it down Barney style. I say break it down like TA-50, which is the issued gear you get. Nineteen, look at that soup sandwich. Twenty, okay, gents, we need to be heads down on this. 21, you are lost in the sauce. You notice Embrace the Suck was not on the list because that lives forever. It is the fucking greatest. So we're not going to do music on this one to go into college crazy. We're just going to go straight into college crazy. And this is one of those great sound bites that I just fucking love. It is college students 
being faced with statements that once again they think it's Trump, but it's the dear one. And it just shows how sheeple the left is. Were you trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Addison Smith with Campus Reform. We're here at the University of Virginia today asking students what they think when they find out that President Trump's net worth has increased 30-fold since running for political office. And what will students think when they actually figure out that all of this was President Barack Obama and that President Trump's net worth has actually been cut in half? Let's see what they have to say. In the news, it's come out that Trump's net worth has actually increased by, you know, 30 times more than it was before he entered office. Uh, Do you see that as a problem? I definitely do. I don't think that an executive office should be used for, like, personal business gains. Mm-hmm. Trump's using a lot of his businesses in, like, Saudi Arabia and, like, other countries to, you know, increase his profits as president. I mean, that's a huge problem because, like, once you're president, you have a lot of powers and you can take advantage of that stuff. Well, yeah, he's supposed to serve the country, no profit of it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I feel like people who have that much money, you know, there's always a way that they get it that's going to be something that we don't like Mm -hmm. so like you're supposed to when you take the role as a president you're not supposed to try to benefit or make business deal you know in order for you to gain money president trump's net worth has increased 30 fold since entering office do you think that's a problem probably a little bit i don't know anything about it but i would imagine that that probably is honestly yes because how can the income gap and like the wealth gap be so large and he is still profiting off of being president not actually benefiting the country at all uh so insofar as the presidency is a public office and it's ultimately our responsibilities of public to the to be the primary beneficiaries of said office i would say it's an issue um i do think that's an issue i don't know much about politics but i don't think that's the president's job i'm pretty sure of that do you guys think it's okay for a president to make money off of uh you know their time in office um, I think so, because, I mean, they're doing a job. Everyone gets paid for doing work, so I think it's fair. It should be. They should be paid. I just think it's it's unethical for a president to be able to, like, actually gain so much from his office and not do much for his country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you would, you would say it's pretty corrupt? Yes, very corrupt. He's using, the, he's using it as, uh, as making money, but I don't know. I mean, you got to get it how you live. Uh, Everyone's goal in life is to make money, so everything's a business. Everything's about money. So if money can be made, then somebody's going to, you know, take advantage of it. Uh, I think that's definitely questionable. This is a president who has um, profited off a lot of uh, systems uh, in the past of his entire life, and so has his father and grandfather. Uh, Do you expect him to get into office and dismantle those exact same systems that made him rich in the first place, or to magnify those systems. Would you say that that's corrupt? Of course. 
That doesn't sound right to me. And he's in the presidency where you really shouldn't be making money. But The fact that a president's net worth increases because of their prominent role as president doesn't seem to surprise me. So like, it, like Obama makes millions of dollars off of book tours, which I feel is totally just. I feel that's great for him to be able to do so. I mean, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with a lot of things that Trump does, but that's just one of them. I mean, he kind of treats the presidency as a circus show, frankly. Um, in yeah. what way? His decorum, the way he talks to people, the way he treats the office, the respect he has for other individuals of stature in the government. So, yeah. What if I told you that it was actually President Barack Obama whose net worth has increased 30-fold and that President Trump is actually giving away his presidential salary and then President Trump's actually, his net worth has been cut in half? You know, I, I actually, when you said that, I, I questioned that Trump's worth had, had gone up 30-fold uh, because he was already a billionaire um, beforehand and he would have been like in the top list now. Does that change anything? Not really, yeah. you know. But I think Obama doing it too is even more only one. All presidents take advantage of their power. It doesn't change anything for me. I mean, both Barack Obama and Donald Trump have found ways to, you know, enter foreign policy, like, differences and wars and, and ways to increase their power, so. Do you think maybe students uh, will, will hear a name and kind of already have a, a presupposition in their mind? I mean, yeah. Most mm -hmm. people, you come up with an... Uh, uh, implicit bias and you kind of stick with it. Uh, yeah. Trump has actually lost half of his net worth. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> would, that, would, that, would that change anything for you? Yeah. I mean... Because yeah. it, it was actually Obama. And not Trump. It wasn't Trump. No president should benefit off their country. Uh, I feel like that's ground-based for everyone. Oh, damn. I don't know. That would be bad, too. If it was him as well, it would be bad. Does that surprise you? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. No, man, that's still an issue no matter what, man. Yeah, you, yeah. Can't be giving, uh, you can't be giving out people's money. People are struggling day in, day out, trying to make ends meet, um, trying to put food on the table. So I think that was a selfish act uh, upon Obama. A Barack Obama is, is questionable uh, for a lot of things, the least of which is his, how he gained his money. Do you think there's still an issue that Obama yeah, would do that? there's an issue. I personally don't believe that um, President Obama was, like, a horrible president, but he was a bad president, especially towards the minorities. I will say that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the one to go Obama, you know? Does that surprise you that Obama did that? No. No? Okay. I still think it's problematic to be using the presidency. Do you think that some people might hear a name and automatically you know, have a presupposition or a bias against that person because of the name, like a president? Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Donald Trump, Barack Obama, there's biases on both sides. How's it going? I'm Eduardo Noret with Campus Reform. Thanks for watching. If you'd like to subscribe to get our latest content, click right here. If you're interested in joining our team as a correspondent or an investigator, click there. And if you want to donate to make sure we can create more great content like this, click right here. It is funny that in my youth it was conservatives and their Christian values were brainwashed and sheep. And now in my old age, it is the left that is just a bunch of followers. They don't know anything. They don't research anything. They just listen to whatever hashtag or Facebook statement they get from their fucking liberal betters and run with it. This one I was going to put in the March for Life, but I put it in college. I will fucking slit your throat. Student alleges pro-abortion activists threaten her at March for Life. 
Pro-life Robert Morris University student alleged that a pro-abortion activist confronted her at the March for Life in Washington, threatened to slit her throat. Selena Kraskowski, a junior at Robert Morris and president of her school's chapter of Students for Life America, claims that at the end of the march, a protester wearing a black hoodie and white pants with blood on the crotch area confronted her, standing only three inches away from her face. She suspected the student was part of one of the pro-choice groups that were on Capitol Hill protesting the March for Life. Campus Reform has not independently confirmed the account. Campus Reform contacted the United States Capitol Police, which referred the inquiry to the U.S. Supreme Court Police. Supreme Court Police did not respond to the to the request. Sarkowski told the Daily Caller that the protester told her to back up or I will fucking slit your throat. So I said, did you really just say that? Krakowski said, Krakowski says the protester replied, I swear to... To God, back up, back up. The junior at Robert Morris said she refused to back down, even though she felt a little fearful. If I make a habit of that, the pro-choice bullies will know to keep employing the tactic. Sokrowski reported the incident to Students for Life American Regional Coordinator Stephanie Stone reported to police. The individual was reportedly later seen being arrested. President of Student Life America Kristen Hawkins told... Campus reform, the violence of abortion industry must be held accountable. As students of Life America, we are taking stronger steps to protect your, our staff and students who boldly go to these campuses, communities, and legislatures to say what the human rights issue of the day, our day, abortion must be addressed. I joined Selena and my staff Supreme Court right after the incident to check on their safety and take my place in the front of the line that struggle to protect both mother and pre-born infants. We will not remain silent. We will keep fighting. Yeah. So... I'm not surprised. I mean, this is, this is, this is what they do. I'm trying to see if I have a freaking soundbite. Um, the Daily Caller covered it. Let me see. I thought I had one. Daily Caller, I will slit your throat. Let me see if they put a soundbite in it. I guess I should have got that before the fucking show. There is a picture of an individual getting arrested. So, yeah, there's no audio that goes with this. But, I mean, that's the left. That That's what they do. It, it's their thing. These guys, they're supposed to be the feminists. Protector of women. So woke. Uh, in between chai latte drinking and wearing fucking onesies. Yeah, they treat women pretty much like shit. Reference my son-in-law. Minnesota College helps white students only deal white students only, excuse me, deal with the nasty little racists inside them. This is actually a syllabus session learning outcome. After participating in this session, attendees will be able to recognize and acknowledge that they are there is a nasty little racist inside them, and to do so without becoming angry or defensive. Describe the skills of psychological flexibility of they must develop in order to make authentic choices in defiance of their racist tendencies. This session will offer acceptance and commitment training, ACT, with particular attention to how the skills of psychological flexibility can help white people recognize and acknowledge their own racist tendencies. Note, this session is for white people only. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota held an event on Martin Luther King Day designed exclusively for white students. The event titled How to Embrace Your Inner Racist, a session for white people. It was designed to help attendees recognize and knowledge of new blah, 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 blah. The session also aimed to help students learn how to skills of psycholo- psych- f- f- psychological flexibility. <clears throat> I would say the event was led by Azmed Azil, 
Concordia professor of religion and social activism has published such works as Free Speech Comes with a Price Tag and an essay about the peaceful application of jihad in the modern world. The room was packed with people sitting on the floor. There were only white people there. He estimated seeing about 70 students in attendance during the morning session he attended. In addition to hosting this event designed exclusively for white students, Concordia also put on several other events aimed at calling out alleged racism by whites. Concordia professor Carla Knudsen, who co-directed the Women's and Gender Studies Department, which has been changed now. It's just going to be gender, it's pretty soon. Led a session designed for white women called, And You Call Yourself an Ally. Nutson's event was designed to encourage white women to confront and analyze their participation in or complicity in a racist system of oppression, create a foundational experience of exposure to white women's microaggressions, according to a description found on the website. Students who attend and you call yourself an ally were asked to prepare by reading an article about Rachel Dozel. Yeah. Head of Harvard Chemistry charged with lying about ties to university and Chinese coronavirus hub. The head of the chemistry at Harvard has been charged for lying. Chairman of Harvard Chemistry, Charles Lieber, allegedly lied to both the National Institute of Health and the Defense Department, denying his involvement in a Chinese-funded program called the Thousand Talent Program. According to the Washington Examiner, FBI counterintelligence official John Brown said last year that the same program has resulted in violations of U.S. federal law, including economic espionage, theft and trade secrets, and grant fraud. This is how many? Three? We've had three professors? They're taking that communist, socialist shit a little far. Mizzou students required to install location tracking apps so college can pinpoint them. No shit. New student athletes at the University of Missouri are being required to participate in a tracking program designed to measure and enforce class attendance, and university spokesman confirmed to the Kansas City Star. Despite privacy concerns, officials defended the decision as one of the benefits of students as the school's athletic department is already using the app Spotter ADU to track certain student-athletes. While athletes are required to use the app, new students who are not athletes will be able to opt into the program. Participation in the pilot offered a few fewer than 2% of the student is completely optional. Sue does not want to use the app to track their attendance, so it will be required to check in with the professor through an alternative method, such as signing an attendance sheet. Jesus fucking Christ. While the app ensures that students are in the classroom during class time, it claims it does not track students' location anywhere else. We only care if students are in the classroom. No GPS tracking means we can't locate them anywhere else. However, the app is not incapable of tracking student location outside the classroom. From labs to auditoriums, technology can expand to cover any size of space accurately and precisely. In a statement to the Washington Post, Spotter EDU Chief Rick Carter said that his company works with nearly 40 schools. The program email professor automatically if a student is not in class or shows up more than a few minutes late. Carter told the Post that the professors can look specifically at attendance patterns for students' color or out-of-state students for retention purpose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you were doing that as conservative, that would be called racist as fuck. Okay. Free Speech Org calls out vagueness of university's sexually suggestive speech code because it's Valentine's Day and you're saying I like you is against me too. A free speech advocacy group highlighted Moorhead State University in Kentucky as having a concerning policy 
around policing speech. The Foundation for Individual Rights, FIRE, named Moorhead as their first 2020 speech code of the month, giving the school a red light rating in the lights of concern about student free speech rights. A red light rating for FIRE means at least one school policy has been found to be clearly and substantially restrictive of free speech. To be qualified as such, FIRE says that a policy decision must be unquestionably infringing upon protected speech. In the case of Moorhead, they say that the university policy on sexual misconduct is prohibitive a full expression of free speech. The school's policy defines sexual harassment as including displaying sexually suggestive objects or pictures, cartoons or posters. The policy also states that using degrading words or making sexual gestures are examples of sexual harassment. The organization explains how Moorhead has overstepped with this particular clause, writing, when speech is part of harassment, it isn't constitutionally protected. But just because speech is sexual in nature doesn't make it harassment. What the fuck, Chuck? Michigan State. Our goal is to reduce apprehensions of illegal immigrants. Yeah. Michigan State University launched a new website for undocumented students, refugees, and recipients of DACA with the goal to reduce apprehensions. Uh, The launch of the website by the Office for Inclusion and Intercultural Initiatives on January 24th, according to a university memo obtained by the Morning Watch, The website reflects our policy of non-discrimination and commitment. Regardless of immigration status, those with mixed immigration status commonly face barriers and challenges, according to the statement which points to MSU's non-discrimination policy. MSU student Abi Tabi told the Morning Watch obtaining an F1 student visa is stressful and expensive. I missed the first week of class because I did not have a visa. She continued... I'm hopeful that eventually enough awareness and advocacy will highlight the fact that nobody deserves what's going on. At the beginning of the website, Frequent Ask Questions, MSU informs all students are eligible of its resources regardless of the immigration status. Further, according to FAC response, undocumented students could qualify for in-state tuition depending on certain MSU criteria. The website homepage reads, welcomes and supports students without regardless of immigration status. In another tab, one for fact and another for contacts. Under the fact, there are 16 different prompts related to undocumented students on campus, resources they are eligible for, and under which situation ICE would come to campus. Addressing ICE authority and MSU police department relations to enforcing immigration rules, a website response refers to ICE's sensitive location policy, which includes colleges where unusual circumstances are warranted their involvement. According to the website, ICE's sensitive location policy does not prohibit law enforcement and the immediate need for enforcement action. This is also an agency policy not based in law or regulation and may be modified or rescinded at any time. The website says MSU is a public entity and cannot bar federal enforcement agency, but states that MSU Police Department would prefer to notice a notice to their arrival. I am sick to the stomach that my money is going to the education of those who broke the law. Turning Point USA head said. Yeah. That's the most important thing right here. You're basically, once again, allowing illegals to get benefits that they don't pay for. And that's wrong. It's not xenophobia or racism. It's economics, motherfuckers. We're going to go into gay shit, and this stuff is just killing me. It's Drag Queen Story Hour. You're going to hear two sound bites 
by the AP. And this is now going to first graders in New York City. First graders. Six-year-old kids. Tell me again this isn't brainwashing. Hey, hey, hey. Bow, bow, bow. Little pump in the cut. Hey, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit. Getting ready for work. A meticulous process that involves shaving, glitter, hairspray, and a wig. But instead of performing at a nightclub, Hi, hello, and- the venue is the Brooklyn Public Library in Park Slope at 10 o'clock in the morning. Who wants to be a drag queen when they grow up? <laughs> Little Miss Hot Mess. Who is ready for a story? Is the host of Drag Queen Story Hour. This one is called Worm Loves Worm. Talking, singing, and reading. We can both be grooms. To an audience of preschoolers, toddlers, and their caregivers. The hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. Swish, swish, swish. Swish, swish, swish. The library started scheduling Drag Queen Story Hour last year. I'm a girl! And is already looking to expand to other locations. Drag Queen Story Hour is uh, fantastic because uh, it addresses all of these issues of gender fluidity and self-acceptance and all of these topics that um, are real, are very, very real. And so is the backlash. Many negative comments have been posted online about the program. The AP has agreed not to use the drag queen's legal name because he said he feared harassment. But those are people who think that gay people are sinful or evil or you know, bad to begin with. Um, So, you know, we're sort of just starting from such different places that it's kind of irrelevant to me. The program, though, is a hit with the participants here. It was great. So much energy. Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah. Parents say they welcome the diversity. You know, that's what I'm looking for in all of our outings is to present different ways of being in the world and make that fun and available to my kid. A different take on story time. Penelope wanted to dress kind of cool, but Tiny sort of wants her to dress kind of normal. Do you get it? Everyone thinks that this girl is a boy because she's a little bit of a tomboy. Engaging young minds through sights and sounds. Who wants blue? Ted Shaffrey, Associated Press, New York. I'm a man dressed up as a woman, and I'm here to read stories to children, teach them what diversity is all about. It's okay to have no hair. I'm Angel Extra. I am doing Drag Queen Story Hour for the New York Public Library. I was raised Christian. I've always felt that I was a gay. When I was growing up, I had to keep my sexuality a secret. So it was kind of hard for me to identify who I was as a child, because I was living both lives. Now, I'm just a queen. I read a book earlier, it was called Everyone is Different. This type of activity opens a child's eyes to what being different all about. It has to start somewhere. I wish when I was growing up there was a program like this where they can explain and teach children to accept anyone. This is a great way of opening that vision to them. It doesn't matter what gender you are, where you come from. We're all people, we're all human, and we should love ourselves first. This, this this is just 
fucking unbelievable, man. I mean, I know I cover one like one of podcasts and I should be used to it, but god damn. Have a drink when you read to children at public library. First caught our eye back in 2017, a library in Edmonton, Alberta. Really thought it was a one-time thing being confined to Canada, but then it kept popping up on our timelines. We didn't know that Drag Queen Story Hour was founded in San Francisco and now has 42 official chapters across the United States alone. Drag Queens and kids just go together. It just seems, just as kid Drag Queens seem to have gone mainstream, um, expect the... Uh, expect the feature late documentary Drag Kids that we're going to cover to premiere sometime later this year. We're not all surprised to learn that public schools have been hosting Drag Queen Story Hour. PS 118 says they've been having Drag Queen Story Hour for the past few years to read to first graders and teach them about inclusiveness, gender fluidity, and family structure. Sabra Amari. Remember when I predicted the Drag Queen Story Hour wouldn't stay confined to public libraries. It's coming to Primary School 118 in Brooklyn to teach first graders about gender fluidity. This is a note sent to families. On the very top, Drag Queen Story Hour. Bolded. Dear families, in an effort to continue to strengthen and enhance inclusiveness and diversity in our schools, the first grade will be taking part in Drag Queen Story Hour. This program is run by the Brooklyn Public Library and has been a hit at the library and other local public schools. We had Drag Queen Story Hour the past few years at PS 118, and the first graders loved it. You can even read about it in the New York Times if you click on the link below. Sabra Amari, the blessings of liberty, exactly as the founders intended. And this is why school choice is a necessity. Teachers and board members are not my moral arbiters. Many of us predicted this based on the previous inroads in the culture by LGBTism over the last 30 years. Shouldn't be teaching gender and family roles to kids that may undermine the parents' values. But what qualifications do drag queens have for their discussions just because they cross-dress? The radical left bringing what used to be confined to filthy red light districts to toddlers. Wake up. Our children deserve time to be children. Kitty Demur. I hate this. Drag is adult entertainment. I was in the industry for years. I made this video that has made it to many famous bloggers on drag. Pass it around. I tell the truth. So here's a dude dressed as a girl. Hi, everybody. This is Kitty Demur. Your friendly favorite conservative drag queen. (laughs) Anyway, I have another message for heterosexual women. The ones who have children. I have no idea why you want drag queens to read books to your children. I have no idea. What, What in the hell has a drag queen ever done to make you have so much respect for them and admire them so much? Other than put on makeup and and jump on the floor and writhe around and do sexual things on stage. I have absolutely no idea why you would want that to influence your child. Would you want a stripper or a porn star to influence your child? It, It makes no sense at all. A drag queen performs in a nightclub for adults. There is a lot of filth that goes on, a lot of sexual stuff that goes on. And backstage, there's a lot of nudity, sex, and drugs. Okay? So I don't think that this is a, a, 
an avenue you would want your child to explore. They could explore dressing up at home, like we all did. Like all gay boys did. We all dressed at home and we had a great time. We had a great time with our girlfriends. Putting on makeup, trying on clothes, things like that. But to actually get them involved in drag is extremely, extremely irresponsible on your part. And I understand you might want to look like you're with it, that you're cool, that you're woke, that you're not a Nazi, that you're not a homophobe, whatever, whatever it may be. But you can raise your child to be just a normal, regular, everyday child without including them in gay, sexual things. And honestly, you're not doing the gay community any favors. In fact, you're hurting us, okay? We have already had a reputation of being pedophiles and being perverts and deviants. We don't need you to bring your children around. So you keep your kids at home or take them to Disneyland or take them to Chuck E. Cheese. But if you need your child to be entertained by a big human in a costume or in makeup, take them to the circus or something. When they turn 18... Then why don't you take them to the clubs on their 18th birthday? Because it's an adult thing, okay? So don't ruin your child's life and don't ruin us because that's what you're doing. Well, it gets it. I don't know why nobody else does. Responses to the AP. All y'all were the ones 30 years ago acting like homeschooling was terrible for children. No socialization, sheltered. Won't know what it happened in the world. Meanwhile, I have a graduate degree, an awesome job, friends, and I'm married. Doesn't look so terrible now. The West Coast in a few years ahead, they're moving an entire generation, gender inclusivity, excuse me, an entire gender identity curriculum through the Washington State Legislature featuring lessons on boners, clitorises, and my princess boy for second graders. The icing on the cake that a Christian was forced to bake. Parents have to pay for the privilege of having their six-year-old children sexualized and groomed. On the plus side, they warned that parents it was coming. Children actually need a permission to attend the event, and our school district teachers are allowed to start a lesson on sex whenever they feel like it. I had to sign off on a public school registration form that I understood I would could opt my children out of sex ed as near early as kindergarten. What the fuck are they teaching kindergarten kids about sex? Somebody asked. To the Washington one, this is from Family Policy Institute. Washington schools to teach gender identity curriculum in kindergarten. Uh, Newly minted health and physical education standards released by the Washington Office of Superintendent Public Instructions. This went into effect in 2018. As reported by the Daily Caller, Beginning in kindergarten, students will be taught about many ways to express gender. Gender expression education will include information about the manifestations of traits that are typically associated with one gender. Cross-dressing dressing is one form of gender expression. Third graders will be introduced in the concept of gender identity. Fourth graders will be expected to define sexual orientation, which refers to whether a person identifies as heterosexual, homosexual, or bisexual. They'll also be taught about HIV prevention. Children in fourth grade will be told they can choose their own sexual orientation. Fourth and fifth graders will learn about the relativity of gender roles and why such roles are social constructs that are not inherent to who we are as male and female. Seventh graders will be expected to distinguish between biological sex, gender identity, gender expression, and sexual orientation. High school students will critically evaluate how culture, media, society, and other people influence our perception 
of gender roles, sexual, sexually relationships, and sexual orientation. These changes to education standards will transform public schools into conduct for promoting the latest gender theories plaguing universities. Perhaps the most concerning element about the new standards, however, is that the OSPI has no plans to notify parents of anything. When asked by the Daily Caller whether a student who rejects the idea that gender identity is distinct from biological sex can end up failing a course on account of their beliefs, Olson replied that it would be handled at a district school level. But we already covered Los Angeles Times. Controversial sex education framework for California approved despite protests. And there's Latinas protesting. California education officials have agreed a sweeping new framework for sex education in the classroom, sparking a tense debate. The guidance is meant to students in kindergarten through 12th grade, and though not mandated, is intended to provide teachers with information to use in sex ed. The updated health education curriculum framework includes the suggested use of gender-neutral, LGBTQ, inclusive language, material on consent and sex trafficking, continued teaching on HIV. It's all the shit. The guidance has prompted protest among parents, conservative groups, and teachers, most notably around some of the books that were suggested as resources, including Sex, the All-You-Need-To-Know-About-Sexuality Guide to Get You Through Your Teens and Twenties, which includes descriptions of anal sex, bondage, and changing you, which includes cartoon illustrations of female and male genitalia. Both books were recommended for removal. It's important to know the board is not trying to ban books. We're not saying that the books are bad, but the removal will help avoid the misunderstanding that California is mandating the use of these books. Through the framework, different differential lessons for transitional kindergarten through 3rd, 4th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth through 12th grade concerns over children's ability to handle some material at the youngest age. Change.org petition in the Fremont School District gained more than 10,000 signatures. The consent in the new sexual education curriculum is not age-appropriate. Life has become exponentially more complex in the last few decades. Linda Darling-Hammond, president of the school board, the health curriculum framework developed by our educators for educators gives district administrators and educators the guidance and resources they need to help develop curriculum that's just lefties. Roughly 200 protesters showed up outside the state capitol on Wednesday, some with their children in tow, holding signs, no to explicit sex ed, and too much too soon. It's just scary what they're going to be teaching. It's pornography, Anaheim Hill resident Patricia Reyes told CBS. If this continues, I'm homeschooling. With this course, here is their stuff. Advanced Preparation for lessons. <clears throat> it is important for teachers to read the family book by Todd Parr before the class. It would also be helpful to be aware to the extent possible the different family configurations that may be represented in the classroom so that different family structures are discussed. These may include adopted families, extended families, foster families, one-parent families, blended families, Two adults, each with their own children, who come together to form a new family. Two separate families sharing custody, custody of a child. Families with same gender parents. Interracial families. It's important to be prepared to discuss these. The homework assignments should be given out in advance. Blah, 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 blah. So as we scroll down this fucking piece of fucking shit. Learning obstacles. 
By the end of the session, students will be able to name as a group at least three different types of family, identify a way they can show respect for different families. And then as you get deeper in it, it's all the gay shit. Just gay shit. It's all gay. Everything is gay. That's all they're trying to push is gay shit. Transgender shit. It's not necessary at that age. I understand it's important to teach children to be respectful of other cultures. But this isn't even a worked out culture. This is like we went into the middle of the Amazon rainforest and found a tribe that you've never learned before. We don't know their language. We don't know their customs because they don't know their language and their customs. That's why there's 100 fucking pronouns and a bitch ain't one. And as stated a million times on the podcast, if you go to one of their chat boards, sweet God, all they know is they hate Christians and they hate heterosexuals. That's their deal. That's one thing we can teach our kids. Hey, listen, if you want to have a normal relationship with the opposite sex and you believe in a God, these people are going to treat you like shit. So just expect it. That's something we can teach them. Drag queens are planning a massive protest at the Missouri State Capitol. The call has gone out for queens to show up in heels on March 7th. Will you answer? Missouri Republican Ben Baker has introduced legislation that would imprison librarians who host a drag queen story hour. See? Yin and Yang. Not on our watch. We're not doing this. This is horse shit. No. But of course, in our media, this is bad, terrible, prejudice, discriminatory. There's always a list of things that this is wrong when they keep forgetting the majority of this country is Christian. Muslim. Jewish. African American. Latino. They ain't down with this shit. Drag queens who don't tend to back down from bullies are now planning a massive protest at State Capitol. They're putting out the call for queens from around the nation to join them. To show Ben Baker and the legislature, this kind of bill is just bad policy. Queen, kings, and everything in between, a Facebook event page reads. It's time we stand together in the Missouri State Capitol. Even if you don't do drag, but support Drag Queen Storytime, come support and rally with us. We'll be heading to Jefferson County, Missouri in full drag to show senators and legislators that we aren't the monsters here. That all we are doing is providing a space for learning and getting kids excited about reading. Yeah! Yeah, that's why you're there. Knowledge is power, so join us at noon on the stairs of State Capitol and make a sign in if you wish. The main thing is, I want to be able to take my kids to a library and make sure they're in a safe environment and that they're not going to be exposed to something that is objectable material. Baker told a local news station. Fortunately, there are some libraries in the state of Missouri that have done this, and that's a problem. In some places, St. Louis, Kansas City, and St. Joseph, they've had these drag queen story hours, and that's something that I take objection to, and I think a lot of parents do, he said to the Kansas City Star. That's where, in a public space, our kids could be exposed to something that's age-inappropriate. That's what I'm trying to tackle. Tanner Rambo, great name, a local promoter who's organizing the protest, told the Springfield News leader, that the whole controversy is nonsense. You're talking about people in big 
poofy dresses telling stories of funny voices and trying to get kids interested in reading, which I think we should all want, he said. It has nothing to do with reading, and they're not poofy dresses. I paid about five fucking sound bites of these freaks freaking out, shaking fake titties, acting a fool. It's not about reading. It's about indoctrination. It's about brainwashing. It's about making these fucking kids buy in to the liberal bullshit. If that was the case, you just do it all the time, and parents don't want to bring their kids to be there. But now in the name of inclusivity and all the other fancy catchwords, because they're all about euphemisms on the left, we're doing it in public school? Out of the words of my better half, my kids would be pulled out of the school. School is tough enough for kids. They got to learn how to deal with other people. They're already learning how to deal with other cultures, other races, other genders. They're going through a lot as their bodies are changing. Why can't you wait until they're teenagers? If this was a program for high school, I'd have no problem with it. Teaching them how to deal with fucking freaks is something they're going to need to learn to deal with. I'm sorry. It's going to happen. you got to learn how to deal with freaks. To the advocate, I went to different sources today. How HIV stigma affects black women. African American women with HIV are often overlooked and undersupported. It's time for a change. Why? The abuse continues. Eventually, Spriggs escapes the marriage. She moves to another state and creates a rewarding life. She even found love again, remarried. She changed careers. She also became an evangelist, traveling for religious conferences frequently. The last thing she expected was test positive for AIDS, but she has AIDS. And this is another one of those fucking pushes they have that, hey, we need to take away the stigma of AIDS. They shouldn't have to report that to somebody they're going to have sex with. I mean, there's a cure. Get over it. We went from, this is a gay disease, everybody's a fucking uh, homophobe because they won't cure the disease, to lying in the press that it's a heterosexual disease, to having the whole nation freaked out about using the wrong toothbrush and using one kid who got a blood transfer from a gay person who got AIDS, to getting a cure, to now, we just don't even need to talk about it. If you have AIDS... You shouldn't have that stigma. It's not your fault you had unprotected sex or you shared fucking needles. I mean, this is 2020 for fuck's sake. This is fucking 35 years down the road. If you're getting AIDS, you're a fuck up. You're doing something wrong. Then as talked about with Sabra, we have the game. Olympics going on during our Super Bowl. Lynn Singh brings by representation in Super Bowl ad. Here's Oil of Olay Soap. I'm Katie Couric. Today Olay launches its very first space mission. Who has the keys? What? I don't know. I thought you did. Why are these women in space? Find out when Olay's mission is launched. 2-2-2020. I call shotgun. And this is from the advocate again. Lily Singh is being bringing bisexual representation Super Bowl bi, bisexual representation Super Bowl. The host of A Little Light 
a little late when Lily Singh will appear in an Ole ad in which she portrays an astronaut alongside Bussy Phillips and Nicole Scott. In addition, the trio of female talent, Tara G. Pence, P. Henson and Katie Couric, also make appearances as the head of the Mission Control and journalists, respectively, as part of the ad feminist message which promotes STEM education for women. Olay will donate $1 to every tweet that includes the hashtag, Make Space for Women, up to half a million dollars. Then they're shoving, remember, can't have an anti-abortion, can't have a pro-flag last year, can't have any of that shit. We got the Sabra. With the RuPaul Drag Race fuckers. Then we have this all over the gay hemisphere. Katie Sowers to be first LGBTQ plus EIEIO coach of Super Bowl. If you haven't figured it out who you're cheering for Super Bowl. No Jennifer Lopez and Shakira are not teams to cheer for you guys. Here's a little something to tip the scales. For the first time ever, one of the teams post an openly queer coach. Katie Sowers, an assistant coach for San Francisco 49ers, will make history when she steps on the field. Having been with the 49ers for just two seasons, she'll become the first female and the first openly LGBTQ EIAO assistant coach. Now, I want to make sure you understand. It was originally she was the first female coach. That's so two years ago because there is no gender, friends. Now all they're talking about is her sexuality. Yeah. Next article from The Advocate, not going to read it. Where are the faces of the queer and liberal Christians? The planned United Methodist Church split over LGBTQ issues shows that the right-wing voices aren't the most powerful ones in Christianity, just the loudest. To actually say that the right has a voice in our country. Christian right is a fucking farce. Just a farce. So then, I went to Pink News. Internet declares 80-year-old who used entire bottle of lube on first night with Toy Boy as a gay icon. The first night. Oh, the first night. Pretty rough. <laughs> it was rough. I'd been, nobody had been near, near me for 35 years. I thought I was a virgin again. Oh, really? Anyway, but um, can I say what we used? A whole tube of KY jelly? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. You can say that. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I couldn't walk the next day. <laughs> yeah. I felt as if I'd been riding a horse. <laughs> Saddle sore wasn't in it. Anyway, oh, we, got, we got over that. We got over that. The sex is not the important thing. Right. Because okay. I can't sleep with him. You get an elbow in the face, a knee in the back. Oh, and this is just, oh he's terrible. Right. And uh, I used to sleep on the settee. I think my wife sums it up better. This new generation and the gay mafia, they're just fucking crude. This morning, it's a British show. There's just some things we never thought we'd hear on a show, but we love Iris, honestly. Hear the full story on our free app. The four stages of hearing Iris' interview is illustrated by this morning's Philip Schofield reaction. Screen capture. Can I say that we used a whole tube of KY? And there's all these gay people saying, you go, girl, because to have our anal sex, we got to use a whole lube tube also. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
And the last one, man hospitalized after bravely defending his two gay friends in brutal and bloody homophobic attack. Nowhere in the article is there anything that anybody said anything homophobic. They're just gay, and they got in a fight with somebody. So, you know, the gay crowd has done way better than African Americans. I mean, there was a time in our country that African American got in a fight, and the white person was automatically a racist. Still happens, probably. But you don't hear about it all the time. With gay people... It almost is to a point in this country, because of their power, that if you do get in a fight, are you gay? Okay, I can't fight you. Because it's just going to get used against you. And then you'll be discriminatory because you didn't beat up a gay person. See, that's how they're going to play it, because they just play it any way they can. LGBTQ Nation. Mike Pence speaks at church event where Bishop delivers vicious anti-LGBTQ sermon. The bishop called Pence a man of God before launching into a rant about plumbing and insinuating he would attack a gay man. The White House streamed it live. I I just want to make sure we remember this. Where governments lie, God does not lie. Where governments change, God does not change. And I'm through now. But let me leave you with one more thing. Governments fail. The government in this text, comprised of Caesar, Quirinius, Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the Roman government failed. The British government used to rule from east to west. The British government had a union jack. She colonized Kenya, Ghana, Nigeria, Jamaica, Barbados, Trinidad, and Hong Kong. Her navies ruled the seven seas all the way down to the tip of Argentina in the Falklands. But the British government failed. The Russian government failed. The Japanese government failed. The German government failed. And the United States of America government, when it came to treating her citizens of Indian descent fairly, she failed. She put them on reservations. When it came to treating her citizens of Japanese descent fairly, she failed. She put them in internment prison camps. When it came to treating the citizens of African descent fairly, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience experiments put them in the lowest paying jobs put them outside the equal protection of the law kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness the government gives them the drugs builds bigger prisons passes a three-strike law and then wants us to sing god bless america no 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 not god bless america god damn america that's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating her citizens as less than human. God damn America as long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. We were told this is not applicable. It's not applicable. You can't use that against the dear one. But everything anybody ever says at a church, Mike Pence has to answer for. But I remember roosting chickens. 
I remember that piece of shit. During an election, we were told that we're all racist if we even used it against Obama. Still from a LGBTQ nation. Don't leave out the Q. Study concludes the term queer is a distinct sexuality. I'm going to break into this. The data was collected from 1,518 surveyed respondents between the age of 18 and 59 in 2016. Conducted by Shoshana Goldberg. Well, who gives a fuck? The study is named the first to estimate demographic characteristic and sexuality of queer-identified people using a U.S. nationally representative sample. The term queer has often been rejected as defining as an identity within the LGBT community. While there isn't a singular universal understanding of the term, many still regard it as an offensive term or slur. The definition that best fits the term as a sexuality, according to Dictionary.com, a person whose sexual orientation or gender identity falls outside the heterosexual mainstream or gender binary. As time has gone on, more and more people, such as actress Leah Delaria, or the fuck she is, have publicly favored the term queer either as a distinct word or umbrella term. Of the more than 1,500 respondents to the survey, approximately 6%, 88 of them, chose to identify as queer. In contrast, approximately 46 of the respondents identified as solely homosexual, while 40% reported their identity as bisexual. Less than 7% used different terms to define their sexuality. Queer people were found to be overwhelmingly young, with 76% of the respondents between the ages of 18 and 25. In contrast, only 2% of adults between 52 and 59 identify with the queer term. 62% of queer-identifying people said they are attracted to both cis and trans women, while just 20% of lesbians said they were attracted to both cis and trans women, and 38% of bisexual women. Cisgender women are more likely to identify their sexuality as queer accompanied to cisgender men, meaning queer people are more most likely to be cisgender women who are mostly attracted to cisgender women in addition to transgender, queer gender, and or non-binary people based on the findings. As for queer, gender queer and non-binary people, 26% of the respondents with this gender identity also define their sexuality as queer. They were more likely, likely than cisgender people to be attracted to both cisgender and transgender women and men, yet they found to be predominantly partnered with cisgender people. In layman's term, people in the study define their sexuality as queer were typically women, Gender queer or non-binary people are attracted to more than one gender. And I stopped there. Because it they have an in summation, the study found both queer men and women are more are more likely to be attracted to multiple gender identities. I, why don't you just say what it is? This is a fucking fad. You do a survey of anybody, they're afraid to say no, I just want sex with a heterosexual person. And later on, they try to advance that this is more than what we say. So you specifically respond at 1,500 gay people do respondents. And this is now showing there's more gay and queer people in America than ever before. And it's the 25%. This is where gay people get the 25%. They want to believe they're normal. They're not. Trans, 0.07. Gay, lesbian, bi, 4.5%. But with fad, like my daughter, allies, it's going to increase it. But it's not real. And you're trying to justify something that's not normal. I'm sorry. You can be gay. I don't give a fuck. You can be trans. I don't give a fuck. You can fuck a goat. I don't give a fuck. 
But that's not normal. Transgender is fucking gender dysphoria. You have a mental fucking illness. And I still truly believe, even though people are born this way, and we got Lady Gaga, and they lie about penguins fucking each other, there is no studies of how many people were gay and went back to being heterosexual. Just like there's no studies on transgender. The moment you leave the mafia, you're sleeping with the fishes, motherfucker. They ain't going to count you, talk to you, you're done. Every article we talk about, the first gender dude that went to court, we read his article, the moment I changed my mind, they fucking blew me off. But, once again, they have so much power. They are running this country on a level that is unbelievable. If I was black, I'd be pissed. If I was a woman, I'd be pissed. Like, what the fuck, dams? Here's fucking Bloomberg doing a thing for gay ice cream. Where's my ice cream? Ah, thank you. Hmm. Big gay ice cream is the best. What is gay ice cream, you say? I don't fucking know. I don't know. But that that was it. Then to show you the sickness is is infiltrating everything right now. Convicted child molester let out of prison because they're transgender. No longer a threat, government said. A convicted sex offender is being let out of prison in Iowa because they identify as a woman in Iowa State Attorney offices. The transgender criminal is no longer a threat because they have different hormones. Preliminary report prepared by the state expert Dr. Jeffrey Davis says Smith lessened as many as 15 victims, ranging from 1 to 13, before being sentenced to prison. The report found the likelihood of reoffending within five years of release exceeded 20% because victims of both genders and because Smith was under the age of 25 and, and never had a long-term relationship. The government report stated his sexual encounters appear to have primarily involved molestation, including his own molestation by multiple predators or his victimization of others. The Iowa Sex Offender Registry shows Smith was convicted of second-degree sexual abuse against a female in 2012, a lascivious act with a child of a male victim in 2014. The registry does not give the victim's age. They are listed as children under the age of 13. Smith received transgender treatment for the last two years at Newton Correctional Facility and started using female pronouns. We don't believe we have evidence sufficient to prove Josie Smith has a significant chance of reoffending. Josie Smith will be subject to a strict sex offender require, uh, reporting requirement uh, of those who commit the crime. They did. They'll be subject to supervision for the rest of their life. The report recommends Smith be confined at the Cherokee Civil Commitment Unit for Sex Offenders of Cherokee for an indefinite period. The Storm Lake Times added, but it was premised upon Smith having a sex drive of a man. And the first thing my wife said was, women abuse kids too but now that's your new get out of jail free card bradley manning did it he was a traitor the media called him a traitor obama called him a traitor he decided to chop his dick off we paid for the dick chopping and now he's out of prison pardoned so now everybody's gonna do it yeah i raped a woman but now i am a woman oh let him out this is just like that crazy show we're going to talk about in a second. There's another bunch of crop of people being released from New York because of their new law. Then lastly, 34 winner 2020 TV shows LGBTQ viewers can't miss. This was on 
um, the advocate, basically everything on everything on Netflix is gay now. Everything. And then Freeform. A shitload of Freeform, which used to be ABC Family, is now all gay. So, yeah, I'm not watching. As we go into liberal shit, um, I'm going to play... Let me see. What am I going to play? I had a liberal shit stuff. Um, oh, this is a, a new ad. This is real. This is for... Um, it's going to be in my lighter fare, but I have a plenty of lighter fare today. Um, this is a real ad of fucking... Bernie Sanders is a fucking fragrance. Yeah, I just said it. I didn't want to say it, but I got to say it to prep this. But Jesus fucking Christ, we talk about the cult of Trump. This is real, folks. About a guy who majority of his staff want to take people out on the street and burn them. Come on down! You're the next contestant on Liberal Shit! Okay, if I act weird during this, I was almost completely done with the podcast, and I had a power outage, and so I lost the end. It wouldn't, you know, Audacity will do a, a recovery, but because I had two windows open and one was the splice of this whole section, seven different sound bites with the background music... I couldn't just get the verbal of what I was recording, so we're going to do it again. Harvey Weinstein accuser, he ripped off, ripped out my tampon and performed oral sex on me. I just want to make sure we get that in the liberal section, because that's your guy. Ilian Omar, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. Retweet of your immigrant ancestors wouldn't be let, let in this means tested, because the Supreme Court 5-4 to four upheld some reform on immigration. The entire world responded to this anti-Semite. Mine would because they followed the rules, not words on a statue the French gave us. I still am just perplexed with 
the utter use of that goddamn poem started by CNN, Jim Acosta. To failure, Ben Beto O'Rourke again. Oh, yeah. So proud of allies Elise Markowitz, her team, and all the amazing volunteers who produced one of the highest turnouts of special election in Texas history. The work continues, building for victories in November in this and other state. Congratulations to Gates for Texas. The article starts with Beto O'Rourke handed out a participation trophy to the amazing volunteers who produced one of the highest turnouts. Did he miss the part where Republican turnout was, you know, excessively high? In a way, they're both winners. But another, more accurate way, the losing candidates, his, is not calling it quits. Her tweet, thanks you to everyone who worked tirelessly to spread our message in honesty, integrity, diversity, inclusion, of bumper stickers. We're only just begun, team. Can you chip in $28 to help us win again in November? Shannon Davis. Gates' decisive win came after Markowitz marshaled the support of several Democratic presidential candidates, touted a poll showing a neck-and-neck race and raised hundreds of thousands of dollars from groups outside Texas. Breaking, breaking, breaking news. Congratulations to Gates for Texas on a smashing victory in HD 28. Republicans won in suburban district where the Democrats spent $1 million of outside money even after Beto campaigned for the Democrat. Huge win. Yes, I repeat. The Democrats flushed $1 million. Joe Biden said the race will set the tone for 2020 general election. Consider the tone set. Dan Patrick called Gates for Texas last night to congratulate him on great win for Texas in HC28. No surprise. Fort Bend voters said no to socialism. Beto in his left-wing crusade against life, guns, religious freedom, and Texas values. Greg Abbott, wait, Beto math. Was that if he won or was close in the House District when he could help a Democrat win? He came within 3% in this district. Early returns show the Republican winning by 18%. 18. So this is a twofold thing. We are told all the time that you're a piece of shit and you're never going to win because of demographics and polls that they tout that are liberally biased with inlays more Democrat than Republican and it's a landslide. It's basically psyops. The media does it all the time. This is neck and neck. It's Republican district. Beto and his guy's going to win. And then they lose by 18 and the media drop it like a fucking bad hat. Then we're told the dark money from the Republicans and the NRA over and over are ruining democracy and Citizens United. But every election, it's outside money from Democrats being poured into districts where these people don't live. And they lose a million dollars of outside money. PPFA, $40 million. NRA, $10 million. Once again, that's what this show is about. Bias. The media bias in their lives. To the uh, MSDNC Morris, uh, literally Jason Wicklock summed it up. She gave her a little thing. We covered it last time. She's the one that said the uh, Los Angeles niggers and said that she was doing knicker, Knicks and Lakers and said Nakers, but that's not what she said. 
Stop this bullshit clear as day what she said. This bullshit excuse makes it worse. Delete your account. And finally, I don't know what's in her heart. I know what she said. And I know it's unacceptable. And she needs to go away and not spoo this bullshit about meaning to say nicks. I'm done with this topic. I just keep covering it. Because if it was a Fox News personality, they'd be fired. Fired. We didn't have a climate section, but Blackish compared Greta Thunberg to Alexander the Great. Just let that sit. 16-year-old mentally disturbed child is Alexander the Great. Okay. Jennifer Epstein, Hillary Clinton's secret servant agents, turned down a process server attempt to deliver Tulsi Gabbard's defamation suit. Hillary Clinton has now twice snubbed a process server attempting to deliver the defamation lawsuit against her Democratic presidential candidate, Tulsi Gabbard, according to Gabbard's attorney. I find it rather unbelievable that Hillary Clinton is so intimidated by Tulsi Gabbard that she won't accept a service of process. <clears throat> Brian Dunn, uh, her attorney, said. But I guess here we are. Dunn said this process server first attempted to affect service at Clinton's house in Chappaqua Tuesday afternoon, and Secret Service turned her away. Why is the Secret Service doing that? Secondly, one tweet sums it up. Hillary and servers. <laughs> you get it? Servers. Yeah, that's funny. Twitter is now not only not letting pro-life message get out, but now they're doing a 1984, and it's pretty bad. I can't. What be this I doth not even. I can't even today. That's her handle. Twitter is trying to influence the election. So, you know, you can report a tweet, and under it, there are why you're reporting it. I'm not interested in the tweet. It's a suspicious or spam. It's abusive or harmful. It expresses intention of self-harm or suicide. Those are the normal things. They've now added it's misleading about a political election. To which Hale Razor said, it makes Democrats and left look bad. There, I fixed it. So now they are literally influencing the election by putting that. You could report anything conservative against it. Replies, the doctor. Twitter support, all the tweets that are fit to think. This editor tries really hard to buy into the not to buy into the tinfoil hat, but this is bad. Wally World. It doesn't show up for me here in Canada. Interesting. Canada has elections too. Swimming pigs. Of course, the only tweets that will be removed will be conservative ones. At this point, the media are out in the open as propaganda merchants. Nothing more, nothing less. So now, they're for this election, they're doing this. They're doing the, you can't reply, or I can stop people from replying to my lies. And where does it come from? Democrats. Elizabeth Warren proposes criminal penalties for anyone who spreads disinformation online. Disinformation online, foreign interference erodes our democracy, and Donald Trump has invited both. Oh, really? Because the whole thing was to investigate 2016 in Ukraine, and you guys are impeaching him on it. Okay. Anyone who seeks to challenge and defeat Donald Trump in 2020 election must be fully prepared to take this on, and I've got a plan to do it. I will push for new laws that impose tough civil and criminal penalties for knowingly disseminating this kind of information, which has the explicit purpose of undermining the basic right to vote. 
titled Fighting Digital Misinformation. The plan, like most of Warren's plans, is expansive and involving forcing social media platforms like Facebook to label and approve content before it's allowed to spread on social media, essentially giving them the editorial power for individual posts. They're fucking garbage, people. They're just fucking garbage. They've always been garbage. They'll always be garbage. But they are trying to influence this election any way they can. And I just have one statement. I've said it repeatedly since 2016. The DNC rigged an election, stole it from Bernie. The media helped them hide the walkout of the DNC convention. Them actually going into their fucking tents and disrupting broadcasts. They floated this Russia thing. Then they ran for it with it for three years, found nothing. They're now obstructing, they've obstructed every policy of this president. Through court orders, blockings, all this shit. And now they're playing the game again that social media is too liberal, even though over or too conservative, and over 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 and over. It's proven they're actually siding with the gay mafia. They're siding with Democrats. They're making policies and procedures in terms of services that only help Democrats. They blocked all the ads except for gay causes. And climate change, but you can't do abortion, you can't do pro-life, can't do any of that shit. They censor pro-life marches, they promote with Twitter moments, and then have to remove that Twitter moment for Women's March. These are the people that we're supposed to vote for. They're going to tell you what to eat, what car to drive, how you need to live, You can't be religious because they're going to force all their dogma on you and that doesn't go with religion. They're going to take your guns and they're going to tax the living fucking shit out of you because they want to take that money and give it to other people. And oh, by the way, they're going to make everybody who's illegal in this country legal and they're already doing a voter scheme because they're handing them a driver's license. Yeah, driver's license and motor voter laws while subsequently teaching kindergarten kids about drag queens. This this is this is who I'm supposed to vote for. As mentioned, another New York City we can't be mean to people of color. So suspects accused of running seven million dollar fentanyl ring released without bail. Just let that sink in. They're caught with fentanyl and they're released without bail. With a burner phone and debit cards. Yeah, that's your Democrats for you. To our lighter fare, we're going to start with Dave Chappelle. He's supporting Yang, but he says something that makes him Dave Chappelle. A guy that I just really respect, like... Because he's not your average lib. He's not your average African-American race hustler. I don't look at Trump supporters as my enemy. What an interesting concept. This particular election cycle. And, and, and I also like the Andrews pragmatism. 
you know, I don't look at, at Trump supporters as my enemy at all. I understand why people vote for Trump. I understand people are desperate. And I think that Andrew's right. You run against the reasons that Trump got elected. You know, I mean, I got friends on, on, on both sides of the political aisle. I got fans on both sides of the political aisle. Uh, a lot of people say professionally it's not wise to support any candidate. But this idea is so good that I think it should exist. And I think the fountainhead of many of the good ideas in, in, on the table this year are coming from a single source, Andrew Yang. And for some reason, no one's paying attention to it. This guy's the origin of a platform that really does address where I think the country needs to go. It's a good plan. Okay, uh, before we get to our last, do not go outside. Nurse in China issues warning claims up to 90,000 already infected. If you are safe now, you'll be able to meet your family again healthy next year. Experts fear the new coronavirus in China and a possible epidemic for two reasons. It's spreading at a much faster rate than other viruses. It's transferable to other humans for days before symptoms can be detected, allowing infected patients to spread disease to others without realizing. On Saturday, the Daily Mail reported that an unnamed woman believed to be a nurse in Wuhan, China, claimed that there are actually as many as 90,000 people already infected in China. She posted a video on social media warning people to stay inside i would like to say that everyone who's currently watching this video do not go outside don't party do not eat out if you are safe now you will be able to meet your family again healthy next year the woman went on to say that cities throughout the countries are overwhelmed and need more supplies to effectively fight the virus read more on this glenn beck covered it last night i saw a fucking my god i saw a video of a person that was covered. It looked like they were dead and they were still twitching. It was just like World War Z, 28 days mixed in. This is horrible. It is spread everywhere. We're not even going to Chinese restaurants because it came from food. It was bat and snake. The snake and an aerosol got bat guano in it. The protein brought two different viruses, a snake virus and a bat virus, into a virus, and somebody ate the snake. It is just like Contagion. It's just like the fucking movie. So, yeah, I would definitely watch where you go. Stay away from the big cities. Because it's here. There's 10 cases now, and you don't even know how many more. It is just like Contagion. If you watch the movie, she went and ate some food. The guy had raw fluids off a pig on his hand. She ate it, gave it to a bunch of people, flew, gave it to other people, pass, 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 pass. It's just like it. I mean, the kill rate, it's an R4 now. R not 4. It's bad. So stay safe. Wash your hands. Use sanitizers. And stay out of big cities. And away from airports if you possibly can. Our last lighter fare, and we're going to close this segment. And then we're going to start the other. It'll be delayed. So you're going to have... Uh, 13120A up, and you won't get B this afternoon. I gotta go meet a guy and sell some stuff my wife's selling on Marketplace and pick up some records. 
come back and record a little bit, and then I got to get a haircut and then finish it. So sometime this afternoon you'll get part B, which is going to be impeachment and media. It'll be shorter than this. Um, this is from Heather Lynn, the goddess extraordinaire from Black Rifle Coffee. She put out a bunch of stuff. I got an up, you know, how Twitter, if you follow people and you don't look at them every day, it'll tell you, hey, here's some updates. So in this, the best Valentine's gift ever, Girls Fart as a Team, Freedom Friday, and Sleep Paralysis. And personally, for me, I'm a happily married man, but, um, yeah, I could, she could, like, be stacking uh, boxes and watch the video. She's a beautiful woman, so enjoy. What you doing? Uh, wrapping Eli's Valentine's Day present. Whoa, is that a thing? Girls getting a guy something for Valentine's Day? I do anyway. What do I get loaded? I don't know, just make him something. You know, something from the heart. Happy Valentine's Day! Oh, what'd you get? Oh, yeah! A video game. Getting cake stuff. What's wrong? Oh, that food didn't sit right with me. I think I have to fart. Girl, I got you. Okay, let one rip on through. Okay. One, two. Probably. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Next. No, you cover for me. Okay, okay, okay. okay I got you. great pickup trucks apple pie johnny fucking cash and of course cold brew i've been drinking cold brew all day all fucking day okay so let's red white and screw with it as you know cold brew is three times as strong as regular coffee so we're gonna dilute it with the tears of red coat soldiers 1773 vintage year i'm hot are you hot it's 90 fucking degrees outside take off your fucking jacket you know what else america loves Sugar. We're gonna add sugar. You know what America doesn't like? Tea. Fuck tea. Tea belongs in a harbor. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Right, Malcolm? Heather's paying me to wear this. Next, we're gonna stir it with the feather of a bald eagle. As Heather's legal counsel, I would just like to state that that is not a real bald eagle feather. You're being a real star-spangled bitch! Now it's time to kick back and enjoy your Independence Day. Oh, God! That's fucking awful! Just drink regular cold brew. Just drink regular cold brew. Use Heather Leno for 15% off on BlackRifleCoffee.com. 
I'm your sleep paralysis demon. Just checked your fridge, you're out of beer. I did notice uh, a lot of empty cans in the shower though. <laughs> you doing okay? Some of the other sleep paralysis demons are coming back to hell with some pretty crazy stories. <laughs> you tried to fuck Greg. You did. Uh, he didn't want to come back here. So, anyways. We thought that you could use this. Thought that you could pray to God. Yeah, and I'm gonna leave this right here for you. Mm. By the way, out of fucking frosted flakes. Some funny, funny stuff, and yes, the best Valentine gift. You couldn't see it, but she handed a cake to her boyfriend, and it said, butt stuff? <laughs> yeah, I know, crude, but really funny. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to show this to family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com, foppodcast, gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher, Pocket Cast also. Remember to check out the Facebook page of Fop Podcast and the Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. As stated, this is Part A. Part B will go live this afternoon, so please download, and you'll hear some great sound bites of the media once again pushing for this impeachment shit. It's getting pretty ugly. Plus, we got a Don Lemon hit that's just fabulous the rnc made an ad out of that soundbite we played last podcast some good shit on that one so enjoy this and i'll see you in part b thank you for listening to flyover politic podcast please check out our facebook page at fop podcast and twitter account at fop Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. I'm the sun and the air. All the shyness that is criminal in Bogart.